For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Pretty sad story coming out of County Westmead at the weekend and the papers carry it again this morning. It's a guard investigation now and the guardie believed that the actual car blaze that uh, took the lives of two children was started deliberately. Now, I know that these are tragic and, and fragile times, but the Red Tops are reporting this morning. It's a big investigation now uh, probing Friday night's horrific fire in County Westmeath uh, and they believe they know who carried out the attack. I'm limited in what I can say but I'm sure you'll understand that. The Guardian have said there is one suspect now the small little children, little Michael was two and Thelma was five and they perished in the horror blaze in County Westmeath. Their mum Lynn Egar who's in her 40s suffered life changing injuries uh, but she will pull through apparently they're saying she was actually pulled from the blazing car apparently by a passing lorry driver who had also managed to save and rescue the, sorry rescue uh, the two kids uh, but unfortunately they subsequently passed away but their mam is expected to survive the guardian are interested in talking uh, to her obviously and it'll be several days before They'll be in a position to take a witness statement from her. Uh, that's quite a lot of detail from the Star this morning, whereas uh, the Mail also pick up on the story, and there's been vigils locally in County Westmeath for the two beautiful little children who suffered and died in that blaze. There's an ongoing investigation, as I say, and they'll be trying to establish, uh, read in some of the paragraphs in the Mail this morning, uh, what happened in the final hours before uh, the children's deaths. The Mail this morning says that it was revealed yesterday that their mother um, sent a text just moments before the blaze ripped through the vehicle. Isn't it absolutely awful? It really and truly is. There's so much family tragedy being reported these days, week in, week out. And that's the latest one, of course. God knows we had another awful family tragedy in in Tella uh, just over a week ago. In other news this morning, believe it or believe it not, for those people working on the front line but not directly employed by the HSE, they still still haven't got their COVID payment, the €1,000 COVID payment. It's a front page story making the Irish Times this morning. They just can't get it across the line. So now they're hiring a contractor to help pay the healthcare workers their €1,000 at another expense to the state. They have to bring somebody in to do it. And you're talking about quite a lot of people, actually. Nursing homes, hospice workers, agency staff, employees in long-term residential care facilities, home carers, the defence forces who were redeployed in their droves, you remember it, to vaccine centres and what have you, to frontline COVID-19 work for the HSE. And also paramedics, it seems. So they have a third-party contractor to come in now to pay or help to pay And you're looking at nearly 122,000 people on that one. Why can't they get it across the line? One thing that they are going to do, they say, is windfall tax the energy firm's profits. And they're going to do that in a matter of weeks. And there's a front page in the mail today. And I know I was saying uh, last week that they might impose a windfall tax on the energy providers because they make vast profits. But what then will they do with the tax? Uh, Would it whittle down to punters? Would it help you with your bills? I don't know. They are saying at this stage that they're going to throw in and around 1.2 billion at trying to ha- handle the uh, uh, cost of living crisis. And it's not just about energy. You know, there's a lot of issues regarding all sorts of aspects of people's lives. So there could well be now three 200 euro top ups 
I was reading at the weekend that it could be six 100 euro top ups. We don't know because they're having a thinking up the country. Uh, Fianna Fáil um, are hunkering down today and tomorrow in Mullingar. And then after it, the cabinet come all together to discuss the Fianna Fáil thinking. Sinn Féin will be doing a similar one in Dublin tomorrow. So it's a big bash. Well, it's not a bash, I suppose. It's serious work. Who knows what they'll come out of it? But I guess they're like rabbits in, a headlight, in the headlights at the moment. So uh, the big thinking symposium will run with uh, all of the Fianna Fáil senior uh, personnel at that today and tomorrow in, in Mullingar. Another, and actually, you talk about the, the energy crisis. I thought it was quite bizarre, actually. Uh, we were checking this morning with regards to... Um, uh, something, something came up as to how many electric, e-cars, electric cars are being used uh, by government ministers and what have you. Just three of them. And they're not even fully electric. They have a fleet of 17 ministerial Garda cars, right? These are just the ones that drive the ministers around. Uh, and the vast majority of them, either BMWs or Audis. Thank you very much. I'll have a BMW. Oh, I'll have the Audi. Uh, but there's only a few of them, actually, are either electric or indeed hybrid. Like, if you look at Hall's car, it's a 2019 Lexus unleaded hybrid. That's what he has. And the only electric plug-in is apparently uh, Roderick O'Gorman's car. Don't know what he's driving, but of course, he's got members of Angarda Shikana driving him. The rest of them, of course, are diesel. Diesel. So you think they could do better on that, wouldn't you? And then... Um, and I probably should have started on this because if you want to see how they can come after you in ways that you hadn't thought they would come after you, look at family inheritance. So I'll come back to this later on this morning because I think this is really important when you look at where we are now and where we are in years gone by. Um, there is another um, organization now that's been brought in by the government. It's a government appointed commission. I won't bore you with the, with the detail, but it's a commission that were put together on taxation, right? The Independent carried this in their front page. And they are now saying that there should be a substantial reduction in the amount of money parents can leave to their children tax-free. Now, bear in mind, parents have already paid money on it and also then they want children to pay money on it when it's given to them when their mother or their father or both parents die. So that's quite interesting because that's going to create a huge backlash. An enormous backlash if they get this across the line. At the moment, a child can inherit... €335,000 from their parents before they then have to pay tax on anything over the 335000 And they paid that tax at a rate of 33%. But when I was reading it up this morning, back in 2019, it wasn't 335000 that a child could inherit. It was 542000 So they vastly reduced it already. And even back then, when it was over half a million, uh, the child, the son or the daughter, only had to pay tax at a rate of 22%. So now it's down to 335,000 at a rate of tax of 33%. And where it gets even more interesting is this recommendation, let's call them Group A, the son or the daughter, right? Because there are others that can also um, uh, inherit. Like there are different thresholds of people um, who aren't directly related. Um, and if you break it down, um, 32 and a half grand can be given to other close relations. Right, So this recommendation from this commission says that um, the children should be allowed €32,500 and then pay 33% tax on everything else. So it would go from 335000 to €32,500. I mean, I think that's insane. And also, you, you probably know this, but you can gift your child 
uh, €3,000 a year tax-free every year. And if you have two children, you can do it too. If you have five, and, and I, I know for many people, they haven't got €3,000 anyway. But just on that point, I'm only mentioning in the context of this story, they're also saying that there should be a tax on that. So nothing is safe anymore. They're just looking at ways to try and cobble together uh, as much money as they can. And what do they do? They hoover it from the public. They All these new taxes. Remember, universal social charges never went away. But who is going away? Well, our youth. And there's a couple of stories on that. Like the Sun this morning says, it's really to do with income um, and what you can earn, they're saying. This is the latest uh, Red Sea poll for the National Youth Council where 18 to 24-year-olds are just leaving Ireland and they're leaving in their droves. And I bet you anyone listening to me knows that to be the case and they have first-hand knowledge of that and first-hand experience of it. Uh, why are they leaving? Because they think that the quality of life is better elsewhere. Uh, in fact, the, the, the Sun this morning says that the average hourly income for an 18 to 24-year-old is €7.35 an hour. So 7 in 10 people aged between 18 and 24 either want to leave Ireland for a better life or planning to leave Ireland for a better life. And what about those that are coming here? Well, certainly Garth Brooks. And uh, there's some very positive stories in the papers regarding the first three gigs. I think that was, I think it was wet uh, for, for Sunday night, but it didn't dampen people's spirits. And that's a story that makes many of the papers today. They braved the elements and the pubs did a roiler particularly around Croke Park, and they cashed in on the mania. But apparently, Agarda had his nose broken at the concert. There were 14 arrests, but, you know, there was 2,500 people went to the Garth Brooks concert. So, you know, you might expect a bit of argy-bargy. But with regards to the guard, uh, the attack occurred as the guard was on duty at pitch level in the stadium. Now, a fellow's been arrested and went here in court this morning, but cowboys and injuries is a story. <laughs> Making the star today. I love the way they won't put headlines like that. Cowboys and injuries. That's the guard on duty whose nose was broken. But the atmosphere, apparently, and we'll chat more about this later on in the programme this morning. But uh, a Garth Brooks super fan uh, revealed how she literally met Garth Brooks casually walking through Dublin. Didn't even recognise him until it was too late. It was one of the street traders who was selling Stetson hats at Croke Park. And the amount of hats that were sold over the weekend... I was trying to do the maths on it. If you only said that maybe 30 or 40 people bought the hats at, say, what were they, a tenner, 15 euro? I was estimating that there was over a million euro worth of hats sold just for the three. Well, I mean, think about it. If there were 10 or 15,000, there was 250, 10 or 10, 10 15 euro, and there was 240,000 people there, or 10 or 15 euro, and you give it less than 50%, say 30 or 40%, you're certainly looking over a, a million, 1.2 million cash Instead, Stetson hats. Cheapy, cheapy, but people wanted to get in on the buzz. So more on Garth throughout the course of the morning. If you were at it, I'd love to chat with you as to what you thought of it and the experience. Text 0868104106. An awful lot of people, an awful lot of people are talking about it. An awful lot of people are talking about it. No disrespect to the trains that were going up and down and the train staff, but everyone's wondering, why in the name of God can you still not get a cup of tea or a cup of coffee or a sandwich or a bag of crisps or a bottle of beer on a train? Why is there still no catering? The last time I checked with Irish Rail, it was because they were in the middle of issuing the tender to a new company. But like, that was last year. I mean, there's been nothing for years now. You remember back in the day, you could get the full Irish breakfast on it. 
And coming down, if you had a few bob and you were in the posh seats, you could get lamb chops, all sorts of stuff. Now you can't even get a cup of tea. Aer Lingus, of course, have had their own problems. More on that in a few minutes' time. Huge IT fail. And the Queen then, um, this is amazing, the amount of coverage that the British are giving. And why wouldn't they? The extraordinary respect across the United Kingdom. But not all, apparently, have been respectful. There's a story online where a section of Shamrock Rovers supporters uh, were singing Lizzie's In a Box to the tune of KC and the Sunshine Band at their Europa Conference League clash in Tala. Lizzie's in a box, and that's not going down too well, said to be very disrespectful. But I think something that is very funny, and it was only Kevin was telling me about this morning, and I love this kind of humour because there's absolutely no harm in it. It's only a bit of fun. But apparently Cork Cork City fans in the past used to sing... um, your next queen is Camilla Parker Bowles <laughs> to the sound <laughs> to the sound of Yellow Submarine. I just love that. <laughs> There's more in the papers. We'll come back to them. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Colm, thanks so much for taking the call again because the last time we spoke was what? Would I be right in saying it was uh, around about February of this year? Yeah, around then, Neil. I, I don't know the exact date. But yeah, it was yeah, February. It was on about yeah. 9th or 10th of February. And the reason behind it was to do with um, the issue involving a deposit that you couldn't get back from a landlord. Now, at the time, we weren't naming the landlord because it was coming before the RTB. But extraordinarily, since that and the RTB ruling, the landlord has been named and the story widely reported in both the Irish Independent and the Examiner. Correct. Correct, yeah. And has has it been proven 100% that the landlord was the former Lord Mayor, Colin Kelleher? Yes. Okay. So what what, yeah. what happened? You, you, you were renting a house in Mallow, I believe, for a number of years. I think you were in the house for, was it six years? Uh, it was just shy of us. I think it was about five and a half. And everything was hunky-dory and you handed in your notice and went through, if I remember, the, the stages that you go through, getting the house ready, um, organising to leave, give your notice, and requested the deposit back, was it? Correct, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so um, what, what happened? So we, that we, we said, gave him a date that we're leaving, uh, left on that date. He replied back saying, uh, once the house is inspected and all that, an inventory and all this um, is done, your deposit should be returned within two or three days. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So about a week past, I think, week and a half, um, I contacted him saying, because I, I had no, he had, he had not contacted me at all. I contacted him saying, what, what's happening with the house, with the deposit? And the following conversation just ended up being a bit of a, a shouting match by the end of it. Um, he basically accused us of leaving the house in a disgraceful condition, of robbing property, of um, even getting to the point where he was saying the carpet is worn by the front door. No, the carpet, like... Well, these the things happen in rental properties. I get that. Exactly, that's where yeah. that's But, but stealing, I mean, stealing property involved the stealing of this, bedroom yeah. furniture, was it? Correct, yeah. Now, what he failed to remember, and I reminded him at that conversation, was that before we entered the property, we asked him to remove all the beds um, and the mattresses because we had our own, from our own property previously. So he was using, basically using that as an excuse not to give him 
not to give the one of the excuses not to give the deposit back. Okay. Okay. Yeah. He then proceeded to um, go on a boat without going into too kind of nitty gritty of it. All right. But there was a couch that was in the house when we when we arrived. There was obviously a fridge, a fine big uh, fridge freezer there as well. At one stage, the the fridge part of the fridge freezer failed. We were waiting about two or three weeks for a fridge to arrive. The fridge arrived. It was at less than half the size of the fridge that we had. Now, we contacted him saying, got him like, it's a family of five. This fridge is, is uh, probably less than useless. And by by he, based on his his lease, he has to replace like for like. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Which he didn't do. Yeah. Now at the time when we asked him about the fridge, he got very irate and basically said, "What do you want?" An effing American style fridge freezer. Mm-hmm. And we said, "No, we just want a like for like replacement." Anyway, he wouldn't replace us, so we had the the we were using the freezer part of the original fridge because it was bigger and using the small fridge that he got us as well because we, you know, family five, you know yourself, mm. frozen peas and nah, wedges and all that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Eventually got to a point where the fridge was just in the way. We contacted him, I tried for maybe two months for him to get the fridge taken out and the couch because we bought another couch. He just, it just never, he never got around it or whatever. It just didn't happen. We contacted him and we asked him, I have, I have a, a unit in Mallow that I could store the fridge and the couch in. We asked him, will we store it in my unit until he gets someone to pick it up? And his exact reply was, you will be doing me a massive favor. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now you fast forward to where we're looking for our deposit back. He then used the fact that we have his broken fridge and his broken couch on our property um, and he's not going to give the deposit back until we give the broken fridge and the broken couch back to him and we said fine we attempted to contact him four times to arrange delivering the fridge and the couch back to him every time he responded too late or he just didn't respond we then were asked he said get in contact with Seamus his brother about it we contacted him three times with no reply. Okay. Okay. Now, if 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 Cullum was so certain that we were not deserving of getting the deposit back, you would, and you you were entitled to as much as you're entitled to as a tenant, you're entitled to as a landlord to argue your case at a hearing. Hmm. Is that an RTB Cullum, hearing? Uh, you mean? In an RTB hearing, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there were other, I mean, all of this, all of these things you're outlining, do they all come before the RTB hearing, yeah? Oh, Colin Kelleher submitted nothing to the RTB. Zero. Okay. Colin Kelleher did not turn up at the RTB Zoom meeting. Right. That was the meeting to decide what's happening. With your deposit, he didn't turn off. Like there were other aspects of the 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 rental of the property that made the newspapers that spoke about issues regarding heating and shower and stuff like that. Where I think for a period of two weeks you were left without a working shower on one occasion. So, but there were also smaller issues where 
he did say to you that there was disposable potting plants left behind, which you didn't dispose of, and yeah, a, a cracked laminate door on a, a kitchen door or something. Um, yeah, so m- what, much of that again, normally would be under tenant landlord relationship, it would be wear and tear, you know? Yeah, well, like even even the potting plants was a small okay. thing that I did with the kids all, maybe a year before, okay. but he was using that as an excuse not. To pay the deposit back. Anyway, between the jigs and the reels, you didn't get the deposit back. You didn't make any uh, contact or representation no. to the hearing. It proceeded without him. What what happened at that hearing? The hearing, basically, Neil, was the adjudicator, myself and my wife, and a blank screen. So, basically, he went through everything. It was it was actually fairly brief. It was 10 minutes, I'd say. And he's, he basically turned around, looked, they submitted nothing. You know, I'm awarding the um, the determination order in your favour for your deposit back and 150 euro for um, compensation. Okay, so that was 960 um, euro deposit plus 150 damages. Um, did you get correct, that yeah. money? We did. So the determination order was made, I think, around February, maybe. Uh, around the time that I, I contacted you. Yeah, um, yeah. But we were waiting till probably the middle or end of April to actually get the money. Okay, but it, it did arrive. Yeah, It did arrive, yeah. yeah okay, yeah, so yeah, why yeah. why is it back in the news now? Is it because of the issue regarding politicians as landlords and declaring their interest to council and issues like that? Well, uh, I'll be honest with you, Neil. Um, I mentioned to you the last thing, right? Um when we left that house, we, we had actually were able to get a mortgage and buy another house. That's why we were leaving the house. We weren't going to another uh, rental property. Yeah. So we were, in a way, we, were, we weren't under massive pressure to get that deposit back. All right? Yeah. Now, what I did is when this whole Troy thing came up, uh, yeah. the, the TD with the properties that he didn't register and all that, my property or my rental property that I was renting off Colin Keller in was never registered with the RTB. Okay, but I ever. need to ask you about that because uh, that's quite important because I know that certainly the newspapers did ask uh, the ex mayor as to whether or not, I need to find the paperwork here, as to whether or not it was registered with the RTB or not. And, and I believe that they didn't receive a response. Can you categorically say whether or not it was ever registered, your property in Mallow, the property that featured in the letter that Colm Kelleher had to send to Cork City Hall to correct and apologise that he hadn't put it down uh, with regards to his conflict of interest document? Do you follow me? Yeah, it, it was not registered. Okay. Up to the point that we left that house, it was not registered with the RTV. Okay. And you're 100% sure that that property I, is the same property that Colm Kelleher then had to get in touch with subsequently to Cork City Council to let them know about the discrepancy over his declaration of interest, um, where he yeah. said, you know, there was there was a property that he had a 50% interest in, but because of an ongoing legal issue, I, I misunderstood that I was obliged to declare this as an interest on my form. That's your rental property that you were living in. Correct. If you go onto the RTV site and you type in, if you're in a rental property and you type in, there's there's a section of it that you can type in to see if it is a registered property or not. That property, well, I won't say the exact address, but that property in Mallow was not 
and looked to be not ever registered with the RTB. Okay. Now, the RTB are obliged to then take that up with the landlord. We can't do anything with that. That's up to the RTB to go further with that because it's a legal requirement as a landlord to register your property with the RTB. It is, it is, yes, it is. But I just need to be 100% sure and fair to all parties on this whether or not it was ever um, registered with the RTB. You're saying no. Did the RTB ever tell you during the hearing or the build-up to the hearing or the submission of evidence for the hearing that the property was not registered with them? We we submitted it um, when we were going backwards and forwards with the emails and all that with the RTB. We did say to them that the um, the house was not registered with the RTB. They never came back um, and confirmed that. But if again, if you base it on um, the address search, the, the the address search, okay. the house was never registered with the RTB. And do you accept at all that perhaps he only was a fifty percent shareholder in the property, and that, as he said, it was his brother was dealing with the tenancies, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, not him. Not one bit, no. My, I, I have it, uh, the evidence here, I can send it on to you. The, my first lease with that house, the sole landlord named in that lease is Colin Keller. And to whom did you pay the rent? Colin Keller. Okay, okay, okay. And I paid my deposit, Colin Keller. My argument with the RTB was we named Colin Keller as the landlord when we were starting the process. The RTB came back to me and said, we've spoken to Colin Kelleher. He's saying he's not the landlord, that his brother Seamus was. Okay. So what they were doing was basically they were, they were, um, if, we're, if, if there was a, a, a judgment or whatever against it, it would be against Seamus, not Colin. I have, I have spoken to Seamus Kelleher once. And, and if that, that was, if hand, that, yeah, if that, if that was to hand what? To hand the key back when we had left. Okay. That's the only time I've ever... Sp- I've never even met him. I don't know what... If he walked in front of me, I would not know what he looks like. But in the determination order, which was published by the RTB, it is Seamus Kelleher named as the landlord. Correct, yeah. But my my lease says Colin Kelleher. My okay. first lease says Colin Kelleher. He did renew the lease in 2018, but he signed the lease. Now, Seamus on that lease was named... But again, I never met him. I had no dealings with him. My money, the, the deposit I paid was in cash to Colm Kelleher. So it, I, I I do not know <laughs> Seamus Kelleher. I, I've never had any dealings with that man except to drop the key of the front door back to him when we had left. Okay, okay. And again, I didn't even meet him that time. I left it under a mat or under a pot or something. Okay. This draws a line in it now, doesn't it? Well, it does, but I like it. It, 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 it as far as I'm concerned, it does. But I, I think questions need to be answered about um, landlords in general, like un, unlawfully and without valid reason holding on to deposits. As I said, we weren't under pressure for that deposit. If that was a single mother of three in that house and she had to move because the rent went up she wasn't going to get her deposit back like. yeah, yeah 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 she wasn't going to get it back and based on the conversation that we had 
that time with, or I had that time with Colin Keller when we had a bit of a argument about getting the deposit back, his words to me were that he had over 30 properties in Cork, that he didn't care. Do you think I care about epoxy thousand euro deposit? I have 30 houses in Cork. But they hang on are, a second. I mean, you claim that, right, was said, yeah, yeah, but yeah. you can't prove that was said. I can only say what the man told me, and that is that is on... That is the absolute gospel truth. 100% is, that's what that man said to me. Yeah, but I mean, I, I searched and searched and searched and tried to find yeah. where, whether or not he had 30 oh, no, other rental God. properties, and they, they don't exist. I mean, there, there are members of his family who are, who are building properties and things, but mm-hmm. there are no 30 rental properties that are owned by the ex-Lord Mayor that I can find. Well, anyway. I yeah, I don't know whether that was kind of a ploy by him to kind of rattle me as in like I'm doing this every day I don't you know I'm dealing with things every day do you think you know I don't know whether it was kind of a, a deflection thing he was doing but that on my father's grave is what he said to me on that phone call okay and okay. I, I like I have no reason to make it up like um, yeah it's interesting that the minute uh, Robert Troy resigned as a junior minister, all sorts of other politicians then started to come clean and to make admissions of things that they had forgotten. And and it's interesting that with Colin Kelleher, a lot of his corrections all happened in and around the same time. Uh, you know, it, it can't go unnoticed that the letter to Cork City Council was in and around the same time as the Independent, the Examiner picked up on the story. Do you know what I mean? It could be purely well, well, coincidental. Yeah what, I, what I, yeah, what I find very strange, Neil, is the the first story that broke in relation to Cullum, um, there was no comment made. Basically, he said, my brother was the landlord. The second story that broke the following day was him leaving, re- releasing a statement saying, I have sent him a letter of apology, or, yeah, basically a letter of apology to the council for not to care in my interest, dated the 18th of August. Yeah. Now, I can put a date on any letter. I can send it today. I can put a date on it that, that it's 2020 on it. It doesn't mean I sent it in 2020. Uh, again, to me, uh, that, you know, again, that, that's a fairly wild statement to make, you know. One, one must accept what I, one sees I as being accurate until proven otherwise. Yeah. Very coincidental. Well, there's, well, there's a lot of coincidence of it. But for me, um, you were saying, and just finally, 100% that this property that you were in is the same property that Colin Keller had to clarify with City Hall and is the same property that you were in that was not registered with the RTB. 100% correct. Yeah. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm obliged to contact Colin Keller for a response, so it'll be interested to see what he's to say on the matter, okay? Yeah, perfect. Colin, thanks for taking the call and thank you so much for the update. Thanks, me, Neil. Mind yourself. All the best. Take care. And we did contact uh, Colin Kelleher, uh, who said that he's not available to come out this morning. He says he's much too busy. Uh, he has confirmed that he is co-owner with his brother of a property in Mallow that was let out to an individual for a number of years. Uh, he says the first lease was in Colin's name and the second was in both his and his brother Seamus's name, which is not uncommon. He says, Colin Kelleher says, the property was left in a state of disrepair and looked to withhold part of the deposit to make good the repairs. Uh, the tenant was not happy with Colin and went to the PRTB. Neither Colin nor Seamus were offered an opportunity to appear before them and found in the tenant's favour. He says he categorically denies and does not have 30 properties, as was mentioned by uh, Colm uh, Tierney. He says Colm and Seamus have completely adhered 
completely adhere to the PRTP's decision, but they totally disagree with the outcome. Um, and then when asked a question, in, in actual fact, just stepping away from that, uh, I know that um, other members of the media in the last week or two had been in touch, try, and I'm just quoting from the Irish Independent, they said that uh, the Irish Independent sent, sent Colin Keller a number of queries, including a question about whether the property was registered with the RTB as a rental, but did not receive a response. Um, I did receive a response to that question this morning, uh, and Colin Kelleher says, it is my understanding that the property was and is registered with the PRTB. It is his understanding. That steps that stops just short of saying, I can confirm that it was and is registered with the PRTB. And then again, there's another unanswered question. Is it the case that it is now registered with the PRTB? But was it registered at the time when the tenant was in place? And indeed, when he wrote the letter to council explaining the discrepancy regarding the rental property that he'd left out in his returns. Um, he says, I misunderstood that I was obliged to declare this as an interest on my declaration form. So just a little bit more clarity on that as to whether it is now registered with the RTB, but was it at the time of... Oh, maybe he's answered that question. Maybe he's saying it was then and it is now. Um, there's just a, a difference there. So I'm assuming then that he's saying that it was and is, that's his understanding, that it was and is registered with the PRTB. Uh, text 0868104106, particularly with landlord issues, uh, get in touch. If you've been in a situation similar to that, where you were struggling to get a deposit back, or, or indeed where, you know, maybe the landlord's obligations with regards to, I'm parking the Colin Keller story now, but just in general, where the landlord really wasn't up to the mark when it came to come to giving back the deposit or looking after the ongoing needs of the property that you're in, bear in mind, you're the tenant and most of the responsibility, obviously you have to behave yourself and cop on and enact the maggot and wreck things. But in the event of things going wrong, as they do in all of our homes, uh, it's um, the obligation of the landlord to put it right. Text 0868 Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818 104 Red FM. Somebody picking up on uh, the CAO offers from last week when I was saying that it makes a bit of a... It shows how flawed the system is if people have to go for their second or their third choice because they can't get the choice that they wanted. And I was saying they could lead you down a career path that you're not really interested in. I stand over that. Uh, mind you, Julie says in Bandon, it's not all or nothing with college courses, you know. If you put a second choice, surely you've put some consideration into the decision and you must have some kind of an interest in your second choice. Obviously, your first choice is preferred, but isn't it nice to get the opportunity to go to college? People can change the course down the line, says Julie in Bandon. And that in itself is where it's more flawed. Um, yeah, sure, they can change the course, but it means that people who wanted it didn't get it first time round because people are chopping and changing courses. You know, in the times that we live in then, somebody picks up on since lockdown, there's been camper vans parked down the marina with people living in them. This morning, which would have been last Friday morning, I counted seven um, camper vans. One even has its own solar panel. Is this a new facility being provided by Cork City Council? Well, I don't know that it's people living in them. I can't categorically say that. They could always be tourists. I don't know. Uh, but then on waste, of course, and we were talking about that this morning, whether it's the fact that most of our ministers are still driving diesel cars or they're coming after your inheritance, and they are coming after your inheritance. John says, I'm also very annoyed to discover that all of us in Ireland are apparently paying €10,000 a month for Gardaí presence at the gates of the Russian embassy. 
And I'm not talking about the two squads now outside Michal's house. I'm talking about the squads and the Gardaí outside the Russian embassy. I do not wish to go into what 10 grand a month would do for many persons living in Ireland. But Mr. Martin and Mr. Coveney should stop this bill and let the ambassador foot it instead. Um, you might want to discuss this on air. Well, certainly if people have an opinion on it. And people do uh, have opinions on various things about the times that we live in. I've been with my partner for 24 years. I earn €540 Euro a week. Over the last few years, my partner's social welfare has been reduced to €60 Euro a week. So now we're on €600 Euro a week for a family of four. My wife looks after our children as I'm working seven to five every day. I pay the mortgage, property tax, all of the bills. My partner's been told by welfare that if she moves back home to her parents' house with the kids, as in leaves me, move back to your parents' house with the kids, you can claim more money from them, which, as I said, we desperately need. I'd have to remain in the family home on my own. It makes absolutely no sense that breaking up a family is the answer to getting more help from the state. I've worked since I was a teenager and paid my taxes and stamps. The country's a complete joke. Well, it is a joke, but it's not a funny joke. If people in social welfare said, you want more than the 60 euro a week? Leave your partner, move back with your pay into your parents and take the, kid, take the kids with you. Good God. Huge response then to uh, the whether we should or the whether we shouldn't with regards to the death of the British Queen, Queen Elizabeth II. I was driving across the Keys yesterday afternoon and I see that the flag at City Hall is still at half-mast. There are many texts on that which I'll come back to throughout the course of the morning. I promise you that. But, oh, and also... Um, I want to talk a little bit about the Aer Lingus disaster. They had a massive IT fail. But just ahead of that, um, Mike got in touch and he said, Neil, there were 100 people, 190 people stuck in Stansted Airport the other night because the Ryanair flight was cancelled. Not a mention of it. Another disaster for Michael O'Leary. We did mention it. In fact, we spoke to a girl whose name I think was Lily, I think, uh, who was caught on that flight. She told the entire story on the air on Friday. She was trying to get home to her Debs. She made it home, went to her Debs. I hope she stayed awake at it because she hasn't slept in two days. But we did cover it. But with regards to Aer Lingus, 51 flights cancelled. Don't know what the story is going to be with refunds or accommodation for those that were caught overseas or compensation. But this was Dublin Airport on Saturday morning. Uh, it was incredible. 9,000 passengers stranded across 12 cities in Europe uh, after Aer Lingus cancelled scores of flights following what they call a major IT issue. You see, this is the thing about everything moving to a technical online IT world. It'll cause chaos when it goes down. And we probably will see more of that. that they call that the new kind of terrorism going forward. But anyway, destinations like Rome, Lanzarote, Bulgaria, Berlin, Geneva, Turkey and Venice. And amongst them was Olivia Kelleher, the freelance writer with the Irish Times, the Journal.ie, the Irish Mirror, the Examiner, the Independent, things like that. And she joins me by phone. I think she was caught a lot. Many people were in Malaga. Olivia, good morning. Good morning, Neil. I've said your name so many times this weekend. <laughs> you know, it's, about, go ahead. It's funny, uh, actually, because you usually be reporting on these stories, not caught up in one of them, right? We saw at the airport, we saw Zara Phillips from Virgin Media. She happened to be on the connecting Cork flight. And for a minute, I thought, is she there to interview us? Because we were so tired and exhausted. 35 hours. What happened? Uh, you turned up at the airport to come home, hours. was it? Turned up at the airport at one o'clock and Saturday to come home, Neil. Uh, flight was half four. 
went to the check-in desk, word filtered through that there had been a disaster in Dublin Airport in terms of IT. We were told we'd be checked in manually. That was all very slow. Mind you, the weighing machine, as always, works. Uh, there was no problem with that, um, <laughs> which made me laugh. I was kind of half hoping. Um, but we basically then, it was really, really slow. We thought at that point, okay, we'll be delayed, but we'll get home. Flight was then delayed till half at six. Makes sense. People are being checked in manually. Flight is then delayed on the board to whatever, half ten. Um, at some stage didn't actually see a person but at some stage uh, vouchers appeared for 15 euro um, we should have known then I'd say to anybody who's ever getting on a flight if you're given a voucher for 15 euro you might as well just give up any hope of ever getting why home. is that is that a level up from the first voucher of something like 6 or something is it for no, short delay there, there's no such thing as first there was no first voucher we got a 15 euro voucher but the only problem is we're all in by the departure gate meal so the 15 year, year voucher is for various restaurants, one of which, uh, when I say restaurants now, uh, there was, you know, there wasn't much to choose from, one of which, only one of which was inside. So unless you fancied going all through security again, we all had to queue up at this cafe called Solo, which was appropriately named because there was one poor Spanish girl who was left <laughs> to deal with disgruntled Irish passengers oh, no. who all were determined then, Neil, to spend the 15 euros. What could you buy for it? Um, not much because sandwiches ran out. Um, there were two very sad-looking vegan sandwiches. Eventually, um, <laughs> it was pitiful. I mean, it was absolutely pitiful. God. So we all sat there then, and I mean, on a serious note, I'm 47. I this morning I feel like I could do with a holiday after the holiday. Oh, 35 hours. We come into we got into Cork Airport last night at 12:15. Um, or sorry, I got home for 12, about 20 past 12. Um, what happened was eventually about 10, 11 o'clock, it appeared on the board that the flight was cancelled. We had no idea what to do. Uh, went to Spanish airport police and they told us, uh, go down to the carousel, you have to reclaim your baggage. Now, there were a lot of very, there were two elderly women. I never saw them again. I mean, I, I actually thought what has happened to them. The, the, if anybody with limited mobility forget it. We, we, I, I was joking to one lady about, I wonder how many steps we did in, in the airport on Saturday and she said we did 12,000. She said it was a bit It must so, have been families, um, oh my God, with small children and babies. Now, luckily, and there wasn't small children. Um, lots of kind of women on girls' holidays, kind of, uh, sister, like, there were four sisters from Limerick who, like, I got off the, the flight and went down the hill to Douglas to home. Those four four girls had to get after 35 hours, had to get in the car and drive to Limerick. One of them had missed Garth Brooks. She said she'd had the tickets in the drawer oh, for man. a year and a half. No way. Then you'd people, you know, with work. Um, I, I, I know somebody who, who works in a hospice. She had to call and say she couldn't be there. Um, there was lots of disruption with work. But 11 o'clock at night anyway, Saturday, um, Neil, um, this lovely Spanish lady, um, I'd say was contracted by Aer Lingus, told us all a fairy tale that we were going out to um, luxury hotels and we were going to stay the night and we'd be picked up on a bus um, on Sunday yesterday morning and brought to the airport to fly home to Cork yeah. from Malaga. Yeah. Why was that um, a fairy tale? It was a fairy tale. Now, I was one of the lucky ones. I did get to the lovely airport, a lovely um, 
hotel, uh, five star. We were told there was a meal downstairs. I was thinking, you know, this is coming, this is turning into something a bit better. Got downstairs where all these lovely couples were having romantic meals. And we sat down next to them with these brown paper bags with yogurt, a banana, and a sandwich. Oh, no. And no, we salt to injury. No, we were grateful for that at that point. But I was just think, looking at it from the point of view of these people in the five-star hotel who see us sitting down with our little peasant packages, as I was calling them. Not impressive so, for them either, really. You kind of dampen their mood, no doubt. Hotel staff in, in this, it was a hotel, I couldn't even tell you where it was. I think it was Ben, ben and Medina's or someplace like that. Yeah, yeah. They had no idea what was going on. They, had, they, were very, they were very courteous, they were very helpful, but they had no idea. And we had to go back to the room, went to sleep, and at 8 o'clock the following morning, we got a text to say we were flying out at 1 o'clock with um, BA to London. And then we were to get a connecting flight at half 10 last night from Cork Airport. God. So the bus never materialised. Um, hotel staff said, you know, bus is never going to materialise. That's just a fairy tale. And uh, we got taxis in. Got into London. Everybody had to get their own taxis then. No bus showed Everybody, up at all. No bus showed up at all. We were in three different hotels. I was lucky. I was in a nice hotel. Um, a very elderly lady, told, her daughter told me that she was separated from her mother. She was sent to another hotel. There was a very elderly lady sent to a party hotel in Tormelinos. Stag nights, hen nights. Um, God love her. You know, at least I got a nice bed. She got... It wasn't... There was no thought. I mean, an elderly woman separated from her, her daughter. Just no thought. No thought to anybody who, if you had any mobility issues, no communication. Oh, Neil, you love this. And I know I'm going on a bit. We did get a piece of paper telling us that we were entitled to two telephone calls a telex or a fax message. That's so out of date, for God's sake. I'd say it was in a back room. I'd say it was in a back room in Aer Lingus from the 70s. It's an Aer Lingus (laughs) delay notice. It was on the counter. Um, So So it's like something before mobile phones were invented, that message. Well, I I was mad thinking, uh, uh, Neil, where, who would I fax them? Where would I go to send this fax? Oh, no. But we got into... um, BA, BA were fabulous. Uh, they apologised for a 25-minute delay and I was laughing at the idea of it. And we got into London and then we had seven hours with... Oh we had no God. communication from that point. Oh, Absolutely no. So no when you total it all up before you hit the ground in Cork Airport, how many hours? Uh, 35 hours. 35 hours. What and then you nightmare. have to factor in um, you get into lunch. Of course, you're so bored. You're inside and duty-free. You're buying yourself. You're consoling yourself with a bottle of perfume. And you're, you know, yeah, you're yeah. doing all the things. You go in for something to eat, the sterling rate. Um, there, but bear in know, mind, a lot of people were flat, could be flat broke coming back from the hotel. This is it. I mean, there was a young girl. There was a young couple at the hotel when we went back. And I'm, I'm not saying I particularly flush myself, Neil, but uh, this couple... Um, I could see she was terrified because, you know, if I, like if I, if I had sent my 18-year-old son off, like, okay, now they could revolute or whatever. But people were left stranded with no access to anything. Um, were people looking anything. out for each other? People were fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. We had some great laughs now with a really, really good group of people. We were calling ourselves like the, the Aer Lingus 200 and all this kind of stuff. Well, actually, you're the Aer Lingus you know. 9000, it seems. I, uh, I mean, it, I suppose we were lucky, Neil, to get back. But it was there was a cal- just total disregard for the welfare. Um, I can't imagine. if any. We were lucky that there wasn't anybody 
who, there were no small children on our flight, but if there were small children, anybody in any way infirm, anybody who had mobility issues, it was a non-runner. And at one stage, a security officer in, in Malaga Airport, of course, being from Cork, we had to tell them our tale of woe. And she said, oh, Aer Lingus, terrible airline, terrible airline. And she was quite emphatic with that, that the experience that they have in the airport is of a very poor but, airline. Uh, one would think that it couldn't be helped, though. I mean, I mean, nobody crashed it intentionally, but they had a digital issue, apparently, an IT issue that must have crashed something, you know? I totally understand that. It was the complete lack of communication. We never actually saw a person. We never, nobody, we never got a text to say, I'm sorry for what has occurred. Um, the, 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 the difference in travelling from BA to London, even the experience on the flight, yeah. there, there wasn't a complimentary orange juice. There was, there was absolutely nothing. And I mean, I would always have said, oh, I'd prefer to travel with Aer Lingus and Ryanair. But after yesterday, I, I'd be really wouldn't really would I, I mean if I go any further than Valencia in the next year shoot me because I never want to see they say again, that this know. is going to be the future actually with regards to air travel cancellations and delays and disruptions you know I think I think we, we all understand things go wrong I mean you know people were quite patient it was just this sense that nobody cared to communicate anything yes yes there that's was always just the way yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, if you, it's like everything in your life, in life. You, you need to know where you stand. Mm. You need to know, at, even if, if they'd said to us, you're getting a flight tomorrow, they knew at check-in we weren't leaving. Yeah. I think they just delay the, the process so that they don't have to hand out vouchers, so that they don't, they don't communicate in any way. Yeah, that's always been the way and it doesn't seem to be changing anytime soon. And unfortunately, it's, it's what you remember of the holiday, I suppose. I hope it doesn't dampen all the other happier memories of the trip. But, I, uh, I can't remember being away. Yeah, that's the problem, <laughs> you see. It dominates it, doesn't it? Yeah, anyway, so. you're home you anyway. Know, you, you, have, you do have a few laughs. I mean, we, we were so tired and weary we got in that I said, I now understand you know, the end of an Olympic race when people who lose are kind of thrown, slumped on the ground, <laughs> holding their ankles. I said, I guess, I guess, <laughs> because you're so exhausted and weary and giddy and borderline hysterical. All right, you well, know. next trip, head west to Valencia. You'll have no problems down there, comes with I my guarantee. Absolutely, I'll be down in, in, in your old favourite Port <laughs> McGee. Thanks, Neil. Right. Take care, Olivia. Cheers there. for Bye-bye. now, Olivia Kelleher. Maybe you were on one of those flights because there was many of them all over Europe. We'll pick it up after 10, over time text 0868104106 Hey it's Dave join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home big hits loads of fun features and traffic info what more could you need join me weekdays from 4 Dave Max Drive Text the Neil Brinderville show now 0868104106 Red FM So it was a busy morning on Friday morning and amongst other things of course we were talking about the death of uh, Queen Elizabeth II of uh, Great Britain and the Commonwealth I was interested to watch some of the Sky News at the weekend particularly in Australia where I was reminded again that the Queen is the head of state in Australia the head of state and I have no skin in the game because I'm not Australian. Uh, but I wonder, do the Australians ever think about continuing with that or saying it's time just to stop and to have our own head of state or to declare a 100% republic in the likes of Australia? Just the thought if you're Australian. Uh, morning, I'd like to commend you and your team on your coverage of the sad death of Queen Elizabeth II. You've given a great tribute to the lady. Well, 
fair enough. I mean, there wasn't really the intention. Um, I mean, fair enough. I mean, you, you thought we were fair. Uh, you will not please everyone with your coverage, such as the likes of John O'Donovan, who was on the air. I believe John just likes to hear himself speak. Uh, Queen Elizabeth contributed to Ireland with her visits, which brought tourists to Cork and other parts of Ireland, and it brought millions of euro in revenue. Uh, has John contributed to Ireland in the same way or in any way? Only his constant calls to numerous radio stations throughout Ireland with his bigoted thoughts. Who gives a hoot if he's not going to sign the Book of Condolence? I, for one, will be honoured to visit City Hall and sign it once again. Well done to you and your team, says Dave. Uh, we did invite Dave on the air. He wasn't in a position to speak, but thank you for the text. Irish people suffer from a classic case of Stockholm Syndrome when it comes to anything British, including the monarchy. If a politician breaks wind... In the British Parliament, it's all over the Irish news. We do tend to have a little bit too much of the cap-in-hand mentality in this country. We need to shake it off. Mind you, I do accept that we got a lot of tourists on the Queen's visit, and maybe Charles and Camilla's as well. And um, as, as to whether or not millions were spent uh, in revenue, maybe the tourists did, but certainly the visits of the royal families cost us a fortune. Flags at half-mast is a sign of respect, just as we have flown the tricolour in the past when royalty and disaster struck in other countries. I was born in the UK of Irish parents, but while I have fond memories of growing up there, I'm Irish capital letters. But the UK provided work and various supports along with all of the troubles Yes, they did. Um, were responsible for much of the troubles, for sure, by being in the north. That's our fourth green field, lads. We want the fourth green field back at some stage, don't we? Uh, anyway, guys, you need to start thinking outside the roundabout. This is a mark of worldwide respect, uh, as in the uh, you know half-mast and the tricolour. Uh, it was not the Queen. It was the Church and Fianna Fáil who were responsible for most of our immigration in the 50s and the 60s. Uh, just two or three more. Living in the present is hard enough, but some people are still living in the past. How many of us went to England for work? Yes, and people did. They weren't always treated kindly, incidentally. Uh, it's very sad news about the Queen. I just don't get the hate she is getting. She's someone's grandmother, mother and great-grandmother. Can you please mention on air that the three beautiful kids in Dublin were being buried at the same time when you were talking about the Queen's death? It would be a nice gesture to mark that as well. Yes, indeed. And of course, this morning we wake to the death of two other small little children as well in a car fire. Uh, the flag in the naval base uh, was down, but it was going to be hoisted back up again on Saturday. Normally, it stays at half-mast until after a funeral. Um, isn't it interesting that so many of your callers and texters who were born in England to Irish parents are considered to be Irish, regardless of their place of birth? Yet there are those who would have us believe that anyone born in Ireland to parents from as far afield as Nigeria, China or the Philippines are magically as Irish as the Irish ourselves. Not 100% sure I follow that one, but uh, there are many others. Just one more for now. Uh, I think you will find that the small-minded, uneducated people say, F the Queen, or the wannabe Sinn Féin supporters, like the Dole Heads, who never worked a day in their lives. A lot of Irish did and are working in the UK and have bettered themselves there. And let's not forget all of the Premier League supporters who supported English teams says David. Thank you for that. And I will come back to more of them throughout the course of the morning. Text uh, 0868104106 for whatever may be on your mind. But can I just lighten the mood somewhat? It'd be a nice way to start the week every single Monday with a feed of munchies, wouldn't it? Yes, indeed. I could well sort you out because... The Red 
Patrollers, live on the streets of Cork. And they are out and about, the Red Patrollers, with the one and only uh, Philip Burke Esquire down at Offbeat Donuts, which is a brand new donut shop that's opened on French Church Street. I would imagine that Phil volunteered for this gig um, to be a donut taster. Would I be right? I'm in absolute heaven. I mean, this, uh, this is a tough job that Colin O'Sullivan turned down. <laughs> Fortunately for Colin, is on holiday, so he's, he's thinking of the gym bod and everything. Uh, it, it, it's fantastic, Neil. I'm actually looking at a neon sign here and I think this really sums up Offbeat uh, here today there's a neon sign just inside the counter and it simply says in the cookies of life friends are chocolate chips and it's it's incredible because um, it's their first store in Cork a little bit of a background about uh, Offbeat Donuts is it's their first store in Cork outside of Dublin uh, originally started by Corkman and that is uh, Brian and Sandra Casey husband and wife Brian is actually originally from uh, Mittletown and, and uh, grew up and had business actually in Kilworth as well they have eight locations in Dublin and this is their first store uh, in Cork and it's on French Church Street it's easy enough to find uh, Stras- Strasbourg Goose next door and across the road from Bunsen as well uh, there were half a million investors here in the new store and today I think for anyone that's listening the most important part is there is free donuts there's 300 glazed donuts so well, it's like first come they, first serve is it? first come first serve and there's been people queuing in here since uh, 9 o'clock this morning well, if there so, was 300 uh, when you arrived it probably <laughs> quickly went down to maybe 280 what kind of <laughs> toppings like? come on well I, I, I'm going to the first thing i got, I got to give a plug to because this is special you can't get this in Dublin obviously enough and this is the Cork Creamy Red County Donut exclusive it's here for the Cork store and what it is, is it's a rich red velvet flavoured donut with cream cheese flakes finished in red and white icing and of course the, the crowd, uh, proud Cork flag actually on as well I'm looking at the donuts here right so they even have the vegan chocolate cookie donuts here there's a vegan have caramel have you tried one? Not yet. Come I'm, on, I'm try one there. To you Stick your hand out and have a munch, man. Will you? It's Monday morning. A Monday munch. They've got, they've got the unicorn, uh, which is their famous one, actually. The unicorn, which is a lovely little unicorn on the top of the donut. They have the famous, the infamous Springles. There's the classic glaze. There's a toffee crispy. There's a caramel crunch. There's a, a bueno. There's a, cooks, a cookies and cream. There's a happy hippo. Peanut butter cup as well, which I'd love to try. What Apple about the old-fashioned submarine donut from years back uh, with just cream and jam in it? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'll have to ask Brian about that. Come on, I'm, Brian, I, get it on the they've shelves. Got, they've got the famous Bo- Boston cream, uh, which is probably what you're thinking of, the, the, the traditional kind of favourite med special. Um, so they have that. They've uh, hazelnut rocher as well. There's a classic glaze as well. Uh, and also, it's not just donuts, because they also have ethically sourced coffee. They also do milkshakes as well. And even though you can, you can come in here and collect your, your donuts, they have seating upstairs. And the, the, the thing that they're dedicated to the most, Neil, is their donuts are freshly baked on site. Oh, and as I'm, walking, right. as I'm walking through here, the bakery is all glass. So you can actually see the magic makers making donuts. You know, I love the smell behind. of a bakery, don't you? It must be a lovely yeah. smell there. <laughs> it, it, absolutely. You, you'd be very hungry as you're walking past here all on right. Street. And the other thing, Neil, is there's an open hatch here. So even as you come into the store, there's a hatch on the street, which they'll serve straight out to customers as well. So and I today, know... If you're, yeah, I know yeah. that you're giving away 300 there in a first come, first serve, but I also have a box of their delicious donuts to give away this morning and every Monday morning. It's a nice way to start the week. Thank them for that for me, will you? I will. I'll, I'll pass all the regards to uh, Brian and uh, to Sandra as well. They're, they're all excited. And it's uh, on a local front, Neil, it's very... It's great news as well. It's 10 new jobs here in Cork and they're planning to expand as well as more locations. Okay, I'll let you get back to it, pal. Um, you got some serious eating ahead, so good luck. <laughs> we, we mightn't see you at midday. 
No, no. You might, you might be on for five hits. All the best, my friend. Take care. <laughs> Thanks, Neil. Bill Burke on French Church Street at the opening of Offbeat Donuts. I mean, I'd start Monday morning every week talking about a new business opening on Side. I really would. The more, the merrier. If you are opening a business, let me know. Email neil at redfm.ie. But just on the basis of uh, the opening of uh, Offbeat Donuts. We do have a box of delicious donuts to give away to you and your crew. It could be in the workplace, it could be at home, it could be work colleagues, wherever the case may be. There's a dozen, possibly more than a dozen, in the box. All sorts of varieties. So, how was your weekend? Alright? How was your weekend? Let me know for the best weekend story. Ideally, for the Monday that's in it, for Yath Garth Brooks, how did you get on? Could win a box of donuts. Share your story. Text 0868104106. Box of donuts going. Best weekend story. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818104106. Red FM. Also, uh, if you're caught up in the uh, Aer Lingus debacle, now it didn't happen out of Cork Airport, but it certainly happened out of Dublin Airport with 9,000 passengers remaining many of them still stranded across 12 cities in Europe um, at the weekend um, if that's a story you'd like to share you might win a box of donuts for that if you're amongst them and listening overseas so text 0868104106 but just drilling into it a little bit more I was saying earlier on when chatting with the journalist Olivia Kelleher that I think we can expect more chaos and cancellation in flights in the years going forward because I'm seeing and hearing and was caught up in two of them one going out of Shannon and the other coming back huge long delays and of course a lot of the time you've no idea what's going on. Uh, Owen Corrie is the travel expert and editor of Air and Travel magazine and a regular contributor to this programme. Maybe you can shed some light on it. Owen, good morning. Good morning to you, Neil. A busy morning for you, but just first up, chatting, Olivia Kelleher, the journalist, was caught in one of those flights, what issues, 36 hours uh, delay coming home from uh, Malaga. And she said that yet again, the big issue, okay, delays and cancellations are bad enough, but it's the no texts, no emails, lack of communication, no one to explain, people left in the dark of all ages. This never seems to improve in spite of company protocols supposedly getting better. What are your thoughts on that? It's amazing. We have never had so many ways of communication, never had so many platforms, and never have we had so many complaints about uh, the inability of large corporations, aviation and Aer Lingus aren't the only ones here, to communicate it. We saw it just on the aviation side through the the COVID uh, pandemic, and they all said, oh, well, we we weren't expecting this, and it was a very reasonable point. But, you know, it, it wasn't that big a deal on Saturday and um, these sort of events happen to aviation all the time they happen, they're weather events during winter if someone like uh, Finnair or SAS, the Swedish Scandinavian airlines have airlines closed down by airports, entire airports closed down for a day by snow, so losing some of your schedule they, Aer Lingus got the first wave off on um, Saturday morning, only for that things would, would have been worse. And then they, they, I, they, it, it was caused by uh, a network failure. It was a cloud-based system which went down, UK provider, subcontractors. That sort of thing happened. Yeah, but it was a there. big deal, Owen. 9,000 passengers. What other airline can hold their hand up and said, we lost 9,000 passengers in 12 European cities on a day? Uh, it happens, I'm saying it is obviously a huge deal for any of the passengers, Neil. I should have said that at the beginning, but uh, the numbers aren't very high. The British Airways system went down for 48 hours. 
the real problem and the, the point that, that you made in your intro is that why two days later are still we not are still is there still a communications breakdown? People got emails at three a.m. this morning, uh, you know, telling them what flight they were on. All of that, you know, they couldn't access. They didn't know what passengers were booked on what system because they couldn't access the system during Saturday. But all through yesterday and today, they're still mopping up. And it's back down to that problem that caused us the Dublin Airport queues during the summer. Yeah, I saw Dublin those queues at the weekend. I thought it was looking at reeling in the ears or something. <laughs> but it's all back down to the staffing thing. They're, they're, everyone is stretched to the limit. And we've also seen a trend, Neil. Listeners will identify it straight away that there are fewer people to answer the phone. And corporations hate putting someone to talk to you because people are expensive, personnel are expensive. Yeah. So the very strong uh, advice that given is on your programme. But what are their profits like, the, like Severe Lingus or Ryanair or British Airways? Are they making profits? Sorry? What are their uh, profits like if they're not employing staff? Well, the last three years has been um, pretty pretty grim. grim yeah. uh, the, the, the amount of money, to give an example, the amount of money that uh, Ryanair lost in 2020 was about 1.1 billion, but Erlingus lost 365 million at the same time. For an air, airline that's about one less than one tenth the size of Ryanair, they lost one third the amount. So the, the losses have been massive. The staffing down that took that everybody talks about. Uh, that took place during COVID and then trying to restaff again and then nobody listening to the programme that owns a business will need any introduction to the the market, the labour market at the moment. So all of those things. And then we had their um, event on Saturday. As you say, it's a huge event for the passengers involved. The point I'm making is from an overall corporate, airlines should be built to lose that to, to cope with a, a network outage like that and deal with all the business of relocating passengers, okay, okay. Uh, booking them in, telling them, actually telling actually, them. Actually, do you know I what? Olivia said that they were handed a sheet of paper eventually after hours and hours and hours. She says it was like a, a bit of information from the 1970s. You're entitled to two phone calls and one fax. This obviously was written before mobile phones were invented. I, I, I know exactly where that uh, phrase comes from. That comes from the EU uh, 261, the original 2004, and phone calls and faxes and all of that were built into it. Meal vouchers were built into it. Obviously, the phone calls and faxes are completely redundant, as is the legislation, by the way. It seriously needs updating. But what, we, what they were being told was their basic consumer rights, not the, uh, not the position from the airline. And part of that problem is that if you're in Dublin and you, you have an airline with uniform staff, there is some chance that you will get what the company are saying. If you're in another airport and there were 12 uh, airports through Europe where you're dealing with a subcontracted person, usually English isn't their first language, and Aer Lingus is one of maybe 50 airlines they're dealing with. So they're not really up to speed. They're not, but one woman did say to Olivia Kelleher in Malaga Airport, she says, Aer Lingus, terrible airline, terrible airline. (laughs) That's, that was when she was being shouted at by all their passengers. It might but but, it might but like the, you know, they, they're sent to hotels eventually. Uh, they're given a brown paper bag to have a yogurt and an apple inside on the table. The bus doesn't turn up the next morning. They have to get taxis back to the airport. Surely there's a better way. In the old days, long, 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 long ago, an airline that cancelled would have someone on the desk say, this is your bus. 
uh, this is your hotel and you're coming back tomorrow and this is your flight tomorrow. It's happened to me dozens and dozens of occasions. That's what this level of service we used to get. That's the level of service we used to expect. Somehow we let the standards drop and it was the passengers that let the standards drop because once one airline started doing it, everybody else joined in. So Lanzarote, Bulgaria, Berlin, Geneva, Turkey and Venice and Rome. And of course, it's people stranded in those cities and towns and okay. holiday destinations, but also the others who were trying to fly. Well, what, we're, what they're doing today is they're relocating some of the wide body. Listeners will know the A330s we fly to America on. Some of those are doing short haul routes. Uh, they do it during the summer down on the trunk routes to Malaga and Faro, but they're being sent to Burgas and Bulgaria today. So you're getting two plane loads onto one flight. They're doing that sort of thing. What I've been telling people uh, is if you're stranded, make your own way home and send Aer Lingus the bill. I would expect them to pay it. Uh, consumer laws on your side. And while there has been a bit of humming and hawing by airlines about uh, people b- taking uh, rival airlines or alternative airlines, and then charge it, then claiming for it. Uh, consumer law has ha- always found in favour of the passenger, the stranded passenger. Remember, Aer Lingus are contracted to get you from A to B, not to uh, somewhere else. And they're, when, they're yeah, to get you directly home. And say when they don't, and in the case of somebody 24 hours, or in the case of Olivia, 36 hours, are they entitled to compensation for that as well as a refund? That's what's on her little sheet. It's the EU 261. There's a very strict code of how much compensation you're entitled to and how much comp- it goes by the amount of time uh, that you're delayed. If it's five hours and it goes, it's, it's all very, very easily available online. And even more important than it being in the legislation and being online, it's been tried and tested in every court, right up to European court level through Europe, because it's been around for nearly 20 years mm. and yeah. airlines have contested it. The usual thing from airlines is that uh, special circumstances, such as when it's a strike by air traffic control or a weather event, uh, they, but they will say we're not uh, required to pay the compensation, but certainly uh, a computer outage hasn't fallen into that category in any of the places it's been tested. So this would qualify for compensation most and, definitely and then? It most, it most definitely you, you will get your... And the, there's a compensation dimension to it which, which they will question, maybe, but there's no question about out-of-pocket expenses. But it's they just interesting, one woman was saying that she had tickets for Garth Brooks for, I don't know, Saturday night, I think. Oh, uh, then that oh, would be the bones of 160 euro, maybe a hotel oh, room as well. Would dear. that be thrown into compensation? Yeah, well, that's that's where you get to the squeaky bits where the legal team get yeah, involved and all of yeah. that. I wouldn't expect, I would not expect their lingus to be playing games with people on this. You know, there uh, when things have had gone wrong before, they've gone wrong with weather events, they've gone wrong with French air traffic control strikes. Their lingus has really um, managed very well. They've, 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 you know, they've had this huge communication problem which comes back to haunt them every now and again and it came back to haunt them at the weekend. But when it comes to sorting out the mess afterwards, Aer Lingus have a good But people don't want the mess, I suppose. Do you just finally, do you think this is the way it's going to be going forward? More disruption, more cancellations, more weekends and holidays being disrupted are indeed ruined? Uh, It's always been like that. It's always been uh, systems going down, air traffic control system. The French have a great habit of going on uh, strike. Their their air traffic controllers going on strike at short notice. The one learning that has to come out of the weekend is communicating with passengers. Everybody is... Mm. You've never had the opportunity uh, to uh, 
communicate with your passengers. And while Aer Lingus couldn't do that while their system was down, they couldn't actually tell which passenger was on what flight. Um, they certainly had a, the opportunity to retrieve it a little bit faster than they did. Mm. It was chaos on Saturday, Neil. Some people got it to the gate for a transatlantic flight, and because they couldn't retrieve the information for security, the ESTA and all of that, weren't able to board. So people went through the horrors, got to the gate, and then the flight flew off with only the transfer passengers who come in from Heathrow and places to Good join. God it was a very, very bad day. But people have short memories. People have really short memories. And, you know, get the business of transporting, 320 flights took off in Dublin Airport on uh, Saturday last. It's the business of transporting that number of people efficiently it's a big deal, and it's quite—it's a—it's a minor miracle it goes through with so little. See how susceptible we are to IT, whether it's a, a crash or a hack, causes chaos, doesn't it? It does, and uh, you know, everybody, everybody whose business depends on IT will uh, sympathise to some extent with Aer Lingus. The, the lessons and the way look going forward is the messaging that comes out of it. Yeah. Uh, passengers, I, in my experience, and uh, I think every listener will identify with this, passengers told that the IT is down and they have to wait for five hours in a queue or whatever. They generally shrug their shoulders and say, okay, these things happen. It's the messaging. Like we're in a Let's country the where dark, the average yeah. waiting time is eight, 11 hours in A&E in the hospital. So, you know, people get used to queuing, getting used to it, but it's the messaging being told, what flight am I on? What do I do? Do I have to panic and go on the internet and start searching Skyscanner and find an alternative flight? Or will they look after me? It's a simple message like, we look after you. That would have helped. Hopefully, although I doubt it, a lesson will be learned, but we shall wait and see. Owen, thanks for stopping by as always. Appreciate it. Take care. You can follow Owen Corey. He's the travel expert and editor of Air and Travel Magazine. You'll find it online text 0868104106 just a quick one on this if you don't mind Amy good morning hey Neil how are you doing okay this wasn't Aer Lingus it was uh, Ryanair wasn't it yeah it was okay where was the was you, where were you going where were you coming from Luton I think was it uh, yeah I was doing a, a day round trip to the UK so I flew into uh, Stansted in the morning um, hired a car um, and then I was flying back out of Luton in the evening, so dropped the car off at the car hire bin in, in Luton. Nice one. And this yeah. is me being nosy. Business or pleasure, as the fellow says? Pleasure. Oh, good stuff. Pleasure. What did you do? Uh, my partner was um, racing over there, so I flew over to surprise him. Horse racing? Car racing? Car racing. Well done. Hope he won, did he? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> but at least you were there to support him. Okay. So that part of the day was fine. It was trying to get home, was it? Yeah, yeah. So I uh, dropped off the car and went in through security. That was fine. And um, sat down. Um, flight about um, eight o'clock, I'd say the flight came up. It was delayed uh, by like two hours. Um, it was supposed to be leaving at 10 o'clock. It came up that it was delayed like half 11 or something. And then it flashed up. It was delayed again to like 1am. I'm like, oh my God, this is a nightmare. So I said, right, I better get food because I'm going to be here a while. Um, same time then, my, my father was actually watching my son and I had worked the next, or sorry, no, I didn't have worked the next morning. I did the, the morning booked off. That was fine, but I still had to, my dad had worked the next morning. Um, so I needed to, to get back and obviously pick up my son. Um... So then the flight 
disappeared off this board. I'm like, oh my God, what's going on? And then it flashed up again. It was delayed until 2 a.m. And then it disappeared again and came up that it was cancelled. So See, you never know whether they knew all along, way earlier in the evening, that that was cancelled anyway, you know? Yeah, I mean, if it had been earlier, it would have been better. Um, But they... So we were all escorted, like the entire flight of people um, were kind of escorted through security um, down like a back kind of stairwell and out like an emergency exit and back into like the check-in area. Um, Nobody at Ryanair's desk. Now, there was a couple of other flights cancelled by other airlines um, and they all had people at their desks helping people, you know. So... I was saying, right, I need to get out of here. Then I got an email from Ryanair saying that my uh, flight had been cancelled. They were very sorry. Um, I could change my cancelled flight for free or I could apply for a refund. So I went to click. But they um, never say why it's cancelled, do they? They On the email, they just said the flight was cancelled due to airport and air traffic control slot delays. Okay. So, so what time uh, is this at now? Um, this is 10 o'clock at night, 10 past 10. Okay, okay. For a flight um, that should have gone at what time? A flight that should have gone at 10. Okay, okay. You. So what time, what time, yeah, there, no, but there was longer delays than that though, you just said. Yeah, at 8 o'clock it came up on the board saying that it was delayed until um, like half 11. Um, then at like half a day it came up saying it was delayed further till 1 a.m., then and then it was cancelled. So what did you do? Because yeah. there's clearly no staff to meet you or anything, so there's not... Yeah, so no staff to meet us. Clicked on, tried to get a flight. Found out there was another flight out Luton the following morning. By the time I got to, uh, booked the, got, picked the seat. By the time I got to the, um, you know, finish option on the on their app, it came up that the flight or the the seat was no longer available, and that the uh, the flight had uh, sold out. So. I was there going, oh my God, uh, looking around and there was about 140 people down around the, the Ryanair desk. So basically a full flight. <clears throat> the next flight out of Luton then was not for two days. And I ended up finding a flight out of Stansted the following morning at 6 a.m. Um, but the only thing about that then, obviously 10 o'clock at night, there was no public transport to get me to Stansted. Uh, had to get a taxi there. So while I was actually mid-transaction booking the flight out of Stansted, it was £70 when I went to book it initially. And um, By the time I got to putting in my car details, it said the price was no longer valid and put me back to the start again. And what was it second time? Not £70, but how much? £105, sterling. See, everybody else was on the same. The cookies picked up on the amount of people looking at that flight and it knocked up price up. Yeah, so then I had to pay £135 to get a taxi to uh, Stansted Airport. Um, a lot of people had obviously the same idea on a lot of different flights because it looked like a fallout bomb shelter, um, like an evacuation centre had been set up in Stansted Airport. They actually closed the departure lounge by night. So there was like one tiny little section of the airport where you had like, uh, I'd say five 600 people crammed into it. Um so they ended up actually having to open the departure lounge two hours early for anyone that had online check-in only, um, just to obviously, you know, reduce any issues with, you know, safety with the, so, the amount of people that were yeah. there. So you're in the departure lounge at, um, in the middle of the night. Uh, you describe it like a refugee camp because many other people were all over the place on the floor and what have you. 
Um, mm-hmm. Then they eventually opened it early because it was too dangerous, is it? Yeah, okay. yeah, there was just too many people. Um, so what if somebody didn't have £135 sterling to get a taxi from, Stansted, from Luton to Stansted? That's it, exactly. I mean, like, you know, there's probably, a, like, you're going to the UK, it's not a massively expensive place to go, you know, unless you used to go short notice and you're buying a, okay. an expensive yeah. price. Yeah, so you got home eventually, and then did you start the process of looking for compensation? Yeah, so um, I applied for a refund for the cancelled flight, um, <clears throat> which, uh, to be fair now to them, they, they did promptly um, refund that back to me. Um, then on their website, you can go to the EU uh, 261 regulations and you can put in your uh, cancelled flight detail and you can look to claim compensation only or expenses only are the two options they give you. They don't they, they don't have a, you, are you trying to claim for both options? Um, but yeah, you put in your, your flight details and then it tells you to select your flight but it doesn't actually show your flight. So it doesn't allow you to go any further on their website. Now I've checked it on um, like computers, I've checked it on tablets, mm. phones. It's just Were you looking for compensation and also the taxi refund of £135 sterling? So what I was looking for was a refund for the alternative flight that I had to buy the to get home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a refund for the taxi um, so you were looking for the £105 for the Stansted flight and £135 for the taxi. That sounds very reasonable yeah. to me. What did they say? Um, so uh, eventually um, I had to call Ryanair. I was on hold for like an hour and a half to speak with somebody. Um, and then they gave me an email address that I could email in. It took like seven weeks before I got a response to my email. And they said, I need to send them a VAT receipt. For what? Um, for, for both. Um, so the the taxi driver obviously doesn't have, you know, a computer with him to print out a receipt. But what he gave me, you know, is my uh, Visa card receipt out of his machine, which shows his, his name at the top. Why of it. isn't that good enough for them? Uh, they, they won't accept that. And then I took a screenshot of the purchase and my booking confirmation from Ryanair themselves to show the, the £105 sterling and they wouldn't accept that either because it's not a VAT receipt. So to essentially get the VAT receipt for that, um, I ended up having to call Ryanair back again on hold for nearly an hour again. Oh, uh, no. I mean, what? They emailed me my receipt. So then... Again, I'm having the difficulty of trying to get through to them. So I'm just going through um, flightrights.ie uh, now, um, where they said, look, send them in the, the taxi receipt as well. So as I say, there was nobody there with the checkout desk. The Ryanair didn't uphold the regulations, you know, where um, they actually state in their email to me, if you require hotel accommodation uh, before your alternative flights, please go to the airport tick-out desk where airport staff will assist you. But again, there was no... There's no one there. And if there is, they don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. So, like, you didn't get your your meal voucher. You didn't get offered your telephone calls or your fax, your outdated fax. You didn't get your hotel accommodation. You didn't get your transfers. Like, there, there was no assistance whatsoever. And there was people there with children and, you know, elderly people and... It was, it was horrible. Yeah, and maybe the slot was lost because the flight from Ryanair coming in was late or something. So you don't even know, was it their own fault, Ryanair's fault? They sound as if they're blaming air traffic, but you don't know if that's yeah. the truth or not, you see. I would love to know if they do pay out for the uh, other Ryanair flight. Uh, looking for the, They were asking you for their own VAT number. Would you believe it? 
And I don't yeah. know, I'd love to know also whether they give you the £135 taxi fare. <laughs> I, I, I wish they would, but I, it's not looking hopeful for that, to be honest. Right. Well, come back to me and let me know either way. You're not giving up yeah, anytime yeah. soon, so you're not? No, I'm not. <laughs> like, again, you know, I, I paid it, I, I had my initials like booked, so... They, um, yeah, you're dead right. Yeah. Dog with a bone. Don't give up, Amy. Come back and give us an update in the future, will you? I will do. Cheers. Take care for now. Bye. Text in WhatsApp 086-8104-106. Cork's Red FM. Well, with the doom and gloom of flights, there's also some good news. Your opportunity to score a box of delicious donuts for you and your crew. Now, the crew could be at work with you, or indeed, the crew could be at home. It could be your buddies or mates, whatever the case may be. But we have a box, at least a dozen of them or so, so there possibly might even be more. The Monday Munchies, courtesy of yourselves, and a brand new donut shop on French Church Street called Off Beat Donuts, and everybody loves a donut of that, you can be sure. So just a couple of calls on that. We're looking at for the best weekend stories in the weekend gone by. Text 0868104106 on that one. Let me just start actually with Aoife. Aoife, good morning. Good morning. How Everything was going fine until what happened? So, so well. And then I went back to college this week, so I went to get my eyebrows done, and she took off the front of my eyebrow. As in... Oh, locked it off. Like, oh, as in waxed it off, yeah. What was she, forgive me, I'm a man, what was she supposed to do with your eyebrows? Shape it nicely and I ended up now with a hole in it. So I had to fill it in, but I'm on the way to <laughs> The middle of your, one of your eyebrows has a hole in it? Yeah, pretty much. And what, what did you say when you saw it or what did she say when she did it? Well, I just said thank you and left, and then when I realised it was too late, but I didn't have the courage to go back, so I decided just to keep going with it. Does nobody look in a mirror at the job done before you get up off the chair, no? I, I did, but I was just too nervous to say to her, so I just said thank you so much and left. And then Isn't that always the Cork way? Oh, it's, are you happy with that? you got a hole in your head. Yeah, it's great, thank you. Oh, no, that's lovely. But you just want to get oh, out no, there properly, fast. Yeah. <laughs> and you paid <laughs> for it. it. Yeah. So, can you fill in the gap with a pencil or something? Yeah, that's what I've done. But uh, with the rain at the moment, we don't know how long that will last. Has anybody noticed? Um, not particularly, yes. I'd say at home they're getting a bit suspicious. But not really. And forgive me, how much does it cost to get it your eyebrows 20, done? How 20. Much? It was 20. 20? And how often would that have to be done? Uh, every... Every four week? Every four to six weeks. Oh, every four to six weeks. <laughs> no. Oh my God, that's right up there as a weekend disaster, isn't it? Yeah, it was going so well as well already for Vassar's College and then this, so now freshly week, I might have to wear a hat. <laughs> You'd have to wear a mask. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> or sunglasses or something. That's it, I have the glasses on. <laughs> well, at least from tomorrow onwards, you'll get an opportunity to wear sunglasses because the weather's much better. How long will it take for your eyebrow to grow back? <laughs> hopefully quickly, hopefully oh quickly. Oh my God. Thanks for sharing that story, Aoife. Stay listening. That's certain. Thank you. I was looking for the happier stories in the weekend, but the disasters work for me as well. Thanks, Aoife. Oh my God. Everybody, I suppose, has had a, beautici- a beautician disaster story. Share those with me. Text 0868104106. Des, good morning. Morning. How was the weekend, kid? Oh, stop the lights. <laughs> stop the lights. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> stop the lights. He says, I'm haunted. What happened? Uh, uh, this morning, this uh, world 
last week we're out painting the wall and painting the shed. That was fine. I got paint off the buddy. And, Second hand uh, paint, paint, yeah. That's a great start, yeah, anyway. Well, it's, it's grand, it's grand, right? Fluorescent uh, green, pink, I suppose. Pink, no, pink and purple. Oh, God, worse. The small ones. The small ones' bedroom, oh, right? Oh, it's a girl's bedroom. Pink and purple, perfect. Yeah, right. I thought so, it was the fence. <laughs> no, it is, no. Right, so we're upstairs anyway and doing the painting. And we're almost done. All right, so I said to the small one, I said, look, I have to go to the toilet. Are you okay there? I said, I'm fine, Dad. How old is she now? How old is she now? She's, she's eight. You left an eight-year-old in a room on her own with a pot of paint and a brush. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Smart yeah. daddy, fine. I have to say. Smart daddy. I'm sorry? Smart yeah. daddy. Well, she's, yeah, smart, yeah. Stupid daddy. But she, she already did the wall outside and she did a great job in that. So I said, right, you know, I can trust her. You know, it's her bedroom, so she wants it perfect. So I went to the toilet and all I could hear was crying and down the stairs. And I said, oh, no, what's wrong now? So I went out and there was footprints, pink ones. You think with the pink panther? Stop, will you stop? Right. What? Look down the stairs. There was paint on the wall and more footsteps going down. I said, right, follow these now. There she was inside in the kitchen, crying to mum. Right, her feet. Her, not her feet, her, sho- her soles of her shoes were covered in paint. Her hands were covered in paint. <laughs> it's self-evident so, to me what happened. You're looking at it wondering what happened, is it? So I went back upstairs, you know, and she, <laughs> her set then, the small one, she came upstairs. Dad, I knocked it by accident. <laughs> and, I ch- and I picked it up in my hand and tried to pull it back into the tin. Oh, God. The poor child. <laughs> uh, and there's floorboards upstairs. So I'll fix that. So Fair yes. play, you did not lose the rag, Des. No, no, no. She's I wouldn't do that at all. Fair play. She's very she's, she's very good in fairness. Like, yeah, she yeah. Very you good. felt sorry for the poor mice. Fair play. Yeah, yeah. And then this morning said, Dad, I'm sorry. Yeah, but wait a second. She walked place. down the stairs. Is, are the stairs floorboard? Is the ground floor floorboard? Is the kitchen floorboard? Uh, no, no, no. The stairs is kind of um, marble. You know, there was slate, not slate. Lucky marble, boy. Yeah. Lucky boy yeah, it was. Yeah. So no carpet, no? No carpet, no, not, not here. And the stairs is pine. So kind of guess tissue and rubble with water and kind of... Did you get it all up? I got it all up, yeah, eventually, you know. Took me a couple of hours. <laughs> you know? Oh, my God. Did, <laughs> and, you get, uh, did you get grief from the wife? Oh, she said, that's, that's her problem, not mine. And she, she, she was down the stairs watching the Queen. You know, well, you know. She was glued to us, you know, like, you know, it was what, six hours that the car had to come down front. Like, no. Did she watch six hours of a, of a hearse moving along Scottish roads? That's right. Did she really? Yeah, watch, uh, drinking coffee. <laughs> oh, my God. Each yeah. to their own days, I suppose. I'd prefer oh. to be painting a daughter's bedroom than that. You know what? No, Neil, to be quite honest with you, I'd rather watch paint dry. <laughs> On the floor. 
Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I man. didn't get a chance to drive, put it like that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's a super story. Stay listening. Thanks for sharing. Hold on. Oh, there. We'll see man. how we get on. Take all right. Care. I remember right, I remember care. years ago when I was small, I used to do an awful lot of jobs around the house. I was kind of the, the DIY guy. I don't know why. I probably calf enjoyed it, whether it was the garden and growing peas and carrots and spuds and everything or painting the house or whatever. You. We had a carpet on the stairs. I remember once I was painting... Um, yeah, up around you know the, the you know the, the wall of the stairs going up on the left hand side, and it was halfway up, big big can of paint, and whatever happened, I was quite young at the time, I must have moved backwards, so gone upstairs to touch up a bit, and then stepped back down one or two steps, bang, can of paint, big huge tin of paint, toppled over right down. I could see the the paint right, just flowing like lava. From one step. Do you know that kind of moment when you see things in slow motion and there is nothing you can do to stop it? As in nothing. Um, the entire stairs carpet uh, completely destroyed in slow motion. I was, you know, ah, ah, stop. Ah. Actually kind of thinking of reaching out and grabbing the pain. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Big response to this, actually. Standout stories from the weekend just gone by. Tell us about your weekend. We have a box of donuts to give away, courtesy of ourselves and offbeat donuts. But it's good to be talking about happy fun times or disasters like poor old Dez's or Aoife's eyebrows. Just one quick one this side of 11, if you don't mind. Text 0868-104-106 on this one. Laura, good morning. Morning. So you were at Gareth Brooks. I went to Gareth Brooks on Friday. All on your own. All on my own. I had the tickets eight years ago with myself and my friend. And sure, that fell through. So I bought a Christmas present for myself when they came out. Yeah, you got a refund on the original and paid the same price for the new one, which was very decent of them, in fairness. I went off on Friday. Um, On my own, I took off. And I stopped off in Crumlin on my way up along. Because my nephew, Leighton Colbert, from O'Geely, he's inside there since last Tuesday. Um, so I just brought him up some gym jams. Oh, it was a lovely just, trip to make. Just, just to, to cheer him, him up. You know, Auntie yeah. Laura cheering him up in hospital. Yeah. yeah. To yeah. leave my sister go for her shower and that and just to stay with him, you know. For oh, because his mum is with him all of the time in Crumlin, I know. Yeah. yeah. She's up there now since Tuesday. His dad went up last night to him and I'd say he won't be out for, would say, another week anyway. And will he be so home in a week, going. hopefully? Hopefully, but like, he, he, I was chatting to him yesterday because on my way down I called as well and he was telling me that he can't wait to go back to school. And he's missing his pals. His yeah, yeah. because yeah, he's up in Skull, in Skull Bernadette in Mayfield. Right, right. Um, so he actually hasn't been back at school since they went back in September so he said he can't wait to go back to school oh well I hope he makes a 100% recovery I really do I really do I'll talk a little bit about Leighton in a second but how was the concert? Fantastic even on your own I'd say you were all one big happy family we 85,000 he he was crying after nearly every song he sang and then he cried I was there I cried as well I was I was delighted up there. It was just brilliant. Why was everybody crying? Like, it's a gig. You don't do a gig to cry. I don't know. It's just the words of his songs, melody, the music come together to see them on stage. It was just brilliant. It was, and I've never seen anything so packed in my life. Oh, I know. I, went I saw to the West videos. Like, um, 
went to Westlife there a few weeks ago and I didn't enjoy it because I you I was on actually previous to that with you talking about my dog Charlie getting attacked by the greyhounds. Oh, I remember so, that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When I went there, I was... You weren't I, in I the mood for it. Yeah, I know, know, I know. And I said, if I'm still like this now, when Garrett Brooks comes around, I'm actually not going to go. But no, I went up and it was brilliant. Did you buy Absolutely. the Stetson outside? Did Did you buy the Stetson cowboy hat? I know, yes. This is it. And you were up there then and people in front of you with their cowboy hats (laughs) on their head and you'd like feel like knocking it off there. (laughs) (laughs) But I I had good seats and I had a good view and like he came on at 8 o'clock and he was gone for 10. And I was back in my daughter's for about 25 past 10. You had a great night. And you also got to visit your nephew, which was a lovely thing. I'll I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what I'll do. Why don't we wait until Leighton is home, right? And I promise you now, when Leighton is home, I will organise, if he's allowed to eat donuts just out of hospital, we'll we'll organise a box for him then to welcome Leighton home to Cork. How about that? Beautiful. Thanks so much. You're more than welcome. All right. Okay. And I know he's listening. So, Leighton... Get well soon, lovey. We all love you. And there's a box of donuts for you here in Cork when you come home late, all right? Nice one. Take care, Laura. Appreciate you taking the call. Cheers. But I think at at this stage, unless anybody can beat Des's story with the paint in the bedroom and his daughter and the mishap, um, unless something changes in the next five or ten minutes' time with regards to stories of the weekend gone by, it's looking like Des is going to score a box of donuts for this Monday morning, courtesy of ourselves, an offbeat donut. Um, Your opportunity... We've got about 10 minutes left on this text, 0868-104-106. Uh, the new store is open on French Church Street. But at this stage, it's looking good for Des. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Frienderville Show Thanks Pat Lovely text in from Paddy Says I was at the Mick Flannery And Susan O'Neill gig At the Opera House of the Weekend It was an outstanding gig I heard you play Chain Reaction last year You know your music pal It's a bit of class Says Pat Fair play You reminded me actually How talented Mick Flannery And Susan O'Neill is And lots more besides In fact I wouldn't I'd like to dig out Chain Reaction And give it a spin if I don't do it this morning, I'll certainly do it during the week. I'll also be uh, playing a brand new song just before quitting time today uh, being released uh, on Lee Side. So more on that in a little while. I feel the media haven't covered or celebrated the life and the passing of our Queen Elizabeth. Our Queen Elizabeth. Uh, she led an extraordinary life and did so much for the people of Cork. It's about time a street or bridge was named after her in her honour. And maybe a statue in City Hall would be a fitting tribute. Yours sincerely, Billy M., God save the king. I assume, I assume you're just having a bit of a laugh on this Monday morning, are you, Billy? You're not serious, are you? Anyway, keep those texts coming. To your Republic 32 texters, there are over a million West Brits in Northern Ireland and they're proud of that term. Does your texters believe that these people in the North should be expelled? If so, that's not part of the United Ireland I want to be in or part of, says Paddy. No, we just want everybody to get along and live together happy, I suppose. And those that want it, me included, just want a 32-county republic. I wonder how many of these anti-English Republican fanatics that comment on the Queen are supporters of and wearers of English soccer jerseys. Few enough, I'd say. Maybe, maybe Premier League teams... 
but I don't think it would stretch to wearing an English soccer jersey. Am I right or am I right? Uh, Neil, she was married to her cousin um, and were known to be Nazi sympathisers back in the day. They still own land and castles in the Republic and are still occupied by and were still occupied by them in the north of Ireland. Less of it, please. She was the Queen of England, not Ireland. There's enough in her own country that needs highlighting, isn't there? Yes, there is, and lots more besides, and I do my best to try and highlight it all. So keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. we got calls on the way. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818 Red FM. Okay, keep those texts coming, and uh, we'll wrap up with our donut box in a couple of seconds' time, but I just want to have a quick... <laughs> Great chance. You know, honest Keith, he's like buses, like they always come along in twos and threes and he comes along one day is better than the next with his stories. Keith Nate, you set me up. <laughs> you set me up test what. Was it because I was talking to you about the television license, is it? You were talking to me, Neil, that's what that's what he said to me. He said to me, he said the TV man called Saturday, Neil, about half five. Wait a second. Well we we were talking on the air. Was it Friday? It was, yeah, that's right. And did the license come up? And and why why were we talking about for people who aren't listening, why were we talking about the T V license? Jesus, I don't know, the price of it, I'm on the SV prices and all that crap. And they said, did they need the new centre book to me? Did they, did they actually door. knock on the door half past five Friday afternoon? Need a Saturday afternoon. Saturday afternoon, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Half five, that's what he called Saturday. And he said to me, what he were, you, were, you settling, were you settling down with a few cans or were you having the Friday, the Saturday night fry up or what? I was, do you know what? No, Neil, I'd be honest with you, I was doing a bit of gardening. <laughs> You were. I'd say you were. I'd say, say, say you were digging up cash, I'd say, or something, was it? <laughs> That's all gone, Neil. That's all, all right, gone. okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he called Sarah and he says, Oh, half five. I went out to the door on you. I said, What's wrong with you? I'm looking for the TV license. I said, I can't get you one now. I said, I get you one Monday. Do you want a driver's license? Right? <laughs> no. <laughs> he said, You have a television, have you? I said, I don't. He said, you have an aerial on the roof. I said, I have a bottle of milk in the fridge. It doesn't see you. Does it mean I have a cow? next one, I said, I don't. He said, you're, you're always told the Prendable. He said, that's what put no stone on my phone. But I think you're at the Prendable. He could pay for the TV license. <laughs> 170 quid. You can forget about it. I hate paying my own one. It's 170. I paid 170, I think, about uh, about five or six weeks ago for the pleasure of watching RTE. You're only just saying that no one gets the call. No, I pay it every bloody year. I hate paying it. But I, I do pay it. There was one year they called to the door, right, and they gave me, I don't know, 48 hours to pay it. Your man was very nice. But he said, you're going to have to, because if you don't, I'll be back. Oh, this one they told me I'm, I'm going to jail. <laughs> you're going to jail? You'll go to jail if you don't pay it, Keith. No, you can't go to jail if you have no TV license. That's, that's, I think that's law, no. Is it? That you can't go over a TV license. Check it out there, lads. Yeah. Well, like, what happens to you if you don't have it? Come here. What happens to the lads above? Have they all TV license above in prison? But you'll be up. You can ask <laughs> them that yourself. You can ask them that when you're in there. <laughs> he said you go to the... I said, can I have your ID, please? <laughs> I don't have to show my ID, he says. And I said, you can't be. I said, knocking at people's door without showing ID. I said, I have the clue who you are. 
<laughs> he probably had a hat, but he was probably wearing a hat saying TV license inspector. Need I could put on a gear uniform and I wouldn't be. Do you know what I mean? Put a suit in the peak. I just in the peak, like, do you know what I mean? All right. Well, no. In fairness, right. thing, fairness, they do have a job to do. So what he he said, you'll have to get it. And you said what? I told him. I said that's what I said. Pat Henny, Pat Henny was on the radio show with me. I said a good few years ago, and I said I was to get five hundred euros for that interview, <laughs> and I never got paid. I said, get on to Pat Henny. <laughs> Were you, I tell him to were you supposed to get an appearance fee for a... For a I was supposed to get 500 euros in. And did they not send it to you? They never paid me at all there. That's the only thing I got off there was a few free drinks in the green room. But that's about three years free licence fee money so that you can claim. Say, I'm not paying it till you give me my appearance fee. What were you on for? And uh, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go up and tell the judge. What were you up for? What were you, what were you up for? What were you on it for? <laughs> I was on it there, Neil, there. I'd done a, a programme written off. We'd done an old, uh, about eight or ten episodes of it there one time there, that's what. What was it about? <laughs> you said, we can't write, Neil. That's oh. why I couldn't text you. Oh, written it. off as in you were dyslexic, I see. Okay. Yeah, you go, Neil. Well, I wasn't dyslexic, I just didn't pay a fucking... Dis- oh, sorry, Neil, I just didn't pay attention, you oh, know? you didn't pay attention in school. <laughs> But Nate, I don't know now how we're going to get out of this. You're going to have but to pay it back. Once they get their claws into you, you'll never get off the hook with that one. Yeah, but they mentioned your name. They did I not. You're, no, I, you're, you're, only, you're only telling porkies. They did not. <laughs> they did. They didn't. You're on the friend of it all the time. They said to me, they said, and you must pay. I said, but that's radio. It doesn't matter, he said this, or he said this. Uh, Can I just tell you that you are not charged to listen to me and you're not charged to watch Virgin Media or Sky or BBC. This is only to watch RTE. So if you tell him on Monday or Tuesday and then come back, I promise I'll never watch RTE. I don't do it. You de- say you yeah. delete the RTE channel. Do you only watch the you only watch the foreign <laughs> ones? <laughs> I ran around the wall, the rest of the hosts in the terrace and then it's Kathleen, don't open the door to the TV, man. <laughs> <laughs> he had to go away out of it. And you, my Neil, he was English. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, that's totally unacceptable. An Englishman oh, looking for a state tax. No way. Oh, on a, oh, on a, as a true Republican now, don't pay it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know something, O'Neill? I get paid three times a day above in prison. you get loads. And I'll be eaten. You'll even have Netflix up there free. You only have to pay for the Netflix. Should there you go, Neil? Anyway, hold on a second. If you don't have a television license, the lads are telling me, if you don't have a TV license to show the inspector, you may face a court appearance. If convicted, you could be fined €1,000 for a first offence and €2,000 for subsequent offences. If you have been fined and you breach the court order order directing you to pay the television license after you've been fined, you can then be sent to prison. What the? To you, homie. Why can't you go to prison? I go to prison. Do you really think that you... you? You see, I wouldn't be doing you any favours paying your TV licence because who'd pay it next year? You'd be back to me looking for... So there you go, Andy. That's what I said. I I won't bother paying it, you know. But I mean, like this case, just because you have an aerial... As I said, Neil, you have a bottle of milk inside the fridge, you are in the cold, you know what I mean? But did he say... because you have an aerial. (laughs) Did he say you'd be back in a few days? Oh, yeah, Neil, and look, if you can't get on to me, I'll be above in court prison, mate. We'll start a campaign, campaign then, Free Honest Keith. 
Oh, free on the TJ. Free, free the Ferdinand Rewind. <laughs> That's even better. You need, I leave you the hoe and get nine. What? And you could be called as a witness. No, no, but I'll, I'll, I'll go for, I'll, I'll put my name down to visit you. I'll book in a visitor slot up on the Ratmore Road. <laughs> yeah, I could imagine you coming up <laughs> <to your door. laughs> I look forward to seeing you now. Let me know if you call. Rolls. Let me know if he calls back. I will. I will. I'm trying to get on to him there. No, that's the doctor trying to see what I could do, you know. Well, I, I won't be by, but they're not answering the phone. So look, I'll see you in court again. Anyway, listen, in the meantime, if you do end up in Cork Prison, you'll get great reception up there. <laughs> You'll get a great reception up there. You know, knowing you, knowing you, just for the experience of it, you'd allow yourself go to jail just to see what it was like. You know what I'd say, I would, yeah. You know, I'd never go to open, but I wouldn't like to stay there overnight, you know. No, you'd only be there for a couple of days. I don't know a couple of days, need I get there, nah, I get Keith, panic attacks. You're finished, by You're finished. You have no hope. The minute they call to your door, you're just, they've got you in their claws now, pal. They will not let go. Well, you know something, that's a wonder grant to be talking to you this morning, Don't be I'm after all my hopes, so that's what I just dashed. I'm not paying your You reckon they're coming for me, so they're coming for me. You are, pal. And you're on your own. Don't be blaming me from Friday morning's chat. Right, <laughs> Neil. Hang up there because I'm going to barricade myself into the house there, Mike. Barricade, <laughs> Free the farnery one. Good luck. I'll talk to you later. The Neil Brindeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818-104-106. Helen says, actually, I've been corrected. The licence fee isn't €170. Euro, it's €160. Euro, so that's what we pay, lads. €160 euro for the privilege. But anyway, text says, uh, Helen says by text, we should start a GoFundMe for Keith he only needs 160 euro <laughs> be the lowest target GoFundMe that was ever ever created <laughs> for Honest Keith's TV licence and what do we do next year then when he has to renew it and the year after that I love the line about I might have a bottle of milk in the fridge but it doesn't mean I keep a cow anyway we'll stay on top of that and see what happens as to what his next move will be free the Farinry one uh, just staying with, with, with funny stories from, from the weekend just a fast one here Mary Good morning, Neil. How are you? You were tired and you laid the head down last night and went to bed. What happened? I did, with a bar of chocolate. <laughs> a big, and a big bar at that. It was it a big no, bar of mint chocolate, I think, was it? Yes. I yes. love mint chocolate. Yeah, go on. <laughs> I did get up earlier this morning and was tottering around and I went back to bed and I was listening to you and I was laughing about your man in the paint. So I said, I'd better get up. And I hopped out of bed and I said, what? It's stuck to my back. Put the bear a chocolate. And it melted. And it, it melted. And it's all over the bed and all over my back. And I'm smelling lovely of mint this morning. Oh, my God. It's almost <laughs> the closest you'll get to a mud bath. <laughs> or a mint bath. <laughs> what a waste of a perfectly good bar of what? chocolate. What a waste of a bar of chocolate, Neil, this morning. Did you not I miss it? Like? No. Were you not searching for it in the bed, trying to gobble it down? Oh, God, no. You st- you, you, <laughs> I smelt it into the sheets. You dozed off, is it? I, I didn't, know. I was just lying there listening to Red FM. I'll tell you a story. I, I, did tell you a story. O- I did open it. 
you did start it anyway, at least. I'll tell I you a story. I, I, had a friend, I, I Yeah, and you fell asleep and it lay, and lay on your back. I'll I tell you a story on that, actually. I had a friend of mine whose uh, mother, this is from years ago, he was telling me the story way back. He just reminded me of it. His mother did just that, right? Went went to bed and was maybe yeah. watching TV and had a bar of chocolate. But apparently she left it on, this is the story anyway, she must have left it on the pillow. But anyway, she wakes up the oh. next morning, right? And there's no, there's no mirror or anything in, to look at. And she can't um, move the left side of her face. She, so she, <laughs> she, she turns around to her husband, Johnny, and she says, Johnny, Johnny, I think I'm after having a stroke. <laughs> he, says, he says, you're not after having a stroke. The whole left side of your face is melted chocolate that's gone solid on your face. She slept, oh she slept on the bar of chocolate. Yeah. So you're not the only one in that regard, I can tell you. I'm not the only one. So I'll have to give up taking the chocolate to bed now. No, no, no. Just a little bit more care and attention, I think. <laughs> but listen, thanks for sharing the story all the same, Mary. Take Thank care. You. Mind Bye yourself. Good to have a laugh on a Monday morning. We'll do this every Monday for the foreseeable future. A box of donuts, courtesy of ourselves, and offbeat donuts. They just opened down on French Church Street. But can I say, Des wins the box of donuts. Um, and uh, I think we just need to let him know that because we're going to have them delivered by all accounts. Des, of course, and his daughter took to painting his daughter's bedroom and it ended up in a calamitous condition when he went out to the loo and left his daughter in the room with with a can of paint, with a tin of paint. So thank you for that story, Des. It was terrific and it wins for today. But to everybody else, thanks for getting involved. Do appreciate it. Okay, text 0868104106. I'll close on some more texts from this morning's programme because I'm seeing texts coming in with regards to landlords and trying to get deposits back and I'd love you to share more stories, particularly if you're struggling or indeed your landlord isn't up to the mark. Also, some criticism of me saying uh, that any time I talk of landlords or the rental property market in Cork, it's always to criticise. Not necessarily. I'm happy to hear the happy stories as well. So I will come back to all of that. But I was looking forward all weekend to chat to Margaret, to uh, Mary Casey. I really was because um, we were talking about the death of the British Queen Elizabeth II on Friday and it's been dominating UK news very much all weekend long and indeed uh, RT as well. Quite an amount of coverage, I have to say. In fact, I believe uh, Michal Martin is actually going I think I read somewhere this morning that he would be part of the official uh, ceremonies as, as the Taoiseach, I guess they no real say in the matter, you would have to go. He'll be attending a service of reflection for the Queen in Northern Ireland tomorrow and then he will fly to London next Monday for the funeral of the monarch. These are the things you do. But Mary Casey, good morning. Hang on a second, I've got the change lines here. Mary, can you hear me now? I can. Oh, thank you so much for holding. Now, you're, you're originally, where, you're, are you a Southside girl, is it? I'm actually originally from Kerry, but I moved to Ballyfehan. When, um, when you were young, did you ago. marry and move to Ballyfehan, was it? I moved to Ballyfehan with my partner, yes. Okay. So when you... Two years ago. Well done. So an honorary Cork woman. But tell me about <laughs> your UK connections, particularly with stories like working in Westminster and working in the hospital where Diane was when she was pregnant with Harry and things. Yes. Um, I moved over uh, as a cert student and worked in the Tower Hotel and uh, I moved up from there. I ended up working in Westminster Hospital and Lady Di was having uh, Harry at the time. So we were staff. We could stand there as they came out by the car. And then what happened was um, I ended up in the Portland Hospital. But my last seven years... Uh, yeah, we worked in the House of Commons. Wow. And I moved to Ballyfehan then. 
1997. Wow. So what was that like? Certainly with regards to Diana, do you do you do you recall her? I do, I do, very tall or whatever, and she just waved to the staff because we had we had the right to be outside the Lindo wing, very tall and very very pretty, you know. And what was Westminster like? What did you do there? About seven or eight years um, working there, weren't you? There was seven years. I moved over moved over in 1997 to Bellevue What 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 I did was I was in we I was in Westminster Hall where um, the Queen will be laid there. For a few days. Is, what's Westminster Hall? Is that a big ornate official section of it that's kind of steeped it in is, history? It's a big, and big section. Yeah, it's a big section. And uh, used to walk just across on the side where she's going to be laid now from Wednesday on. We used to have to go across there to go into the restaurant. And I was just supervising there and then got promoted to uh, the still room where we used to have to do the dining rooms, the men are dining rooms. And we used to do the afternoon teas and get them set up and delivered to the Prime Minister at the time. But what used to happen is the Queen used to officially open Parliament. Yes. Every yes. September. Yes. So when she used to open Parliament, the gates there, as you come in, you remember the guards, the four policemen got stabbed to death there a few years I ago. I do remember it. They go in there, yeah. We go in there, and before she'd go into Westminster Hall, the staff would be lined up and she'd come and greet us. Did you talk to her? hello. She just said hello because she did it to all of There was a few staff there. She was lovely. Very, very nice. Yeah, you described her as a lovely lady, very patient, who took the time. She took the time, yes. And she did. the afternoon teas, what, what was that about? I mean, you say you were delivering them to the Prime Minister. Were you delivering afternoon teas to politicians or were there guests coming in? Well, what we'd do is we'd have five, we'd have five dining rooms downstairs. We'd have the member dining room upstairs for the MPs. They used to have lunch service, so we used to be in the still room. We used to have to make sure they get the warm rolls. We used to cut the butter in squares and use bats to use them in butter balls. And we used to do the cheese boards. We used to do afternoon teas then in the kitchen that had the pastries brought in, but we used to have to make the sandwiches. You'd have the likes of Shirley Bassey that would order private party. We'd have the afternoon teas and then the Prime Minister... When they wanted afternoon tea or tea or coffee, we'd have to get it ready. We used to do teas and coffees, cheese boards. We'd have to get that ready, but we wouldn't bring it into the Prime Minister. He, one of his staff members. Used right. To bring Would it, it have to be all perfect, whether it was the politicians perfect. or the guests? I hear Everything. tell that Liz Taylor was there at one stage, was there? Is that right? Liz, uh, Liz, Liz, uh, Liz Hurley was there. Liz Hurley. Yeah, it says she Taylor was in here. one of okay. the private dining rooms. Yeah. Right. Yeah. She yeah. was in one of the private dining rooms. Um, very busy. I miss. I met Shirley Bassey, Jerry Adams, Ian Paisley, John Major, Tony Blair. It was nice because they were down to earth, you know? All of them, were they? One was as nice as the next, were they? They were all very nice, to be honest. Because you know the way sometimes you get somebody and no matter what you do from you can't please them. You know those kinds? You probably met them as well. Well, well, I did have one of them. (laughs) I shouldn't say it now while we're on a funny note. Um, There was one, Edwina Curry, at the time of the... The scare of the eggs. Remember the salmonella? I do, yeah. What was that about again? Remember the salmonella scare? She was on about the eggs and the sale of eggs went down. So we were clear in Westminster Hall one time. I was actually, I was just brought, I just started a job. I was there for six months, I think. Yeah. And we were clearing up. So to me, if we're clearing and you're shutting up, it doesn't matter who it is. And she came in and we had most of the stuff cleared, you know, the hot plates and everything. Yeah. So she had a sandwich in her hand and she had said, do you have anything to eat? 
And I turned around and said, I said, we have eggs boiled, poached or scrambled. <laughs> How did that go down? Didn't go down very well. I can imagine. I threw the sandwich at me. Oh no, really? Yeah, and I got a, I did, I was calling to the office the following morning and giving a warning. So you were given the warning? Even I was though, given the warning. Even so she was the saucy one? That's not fair. She was. She, I just said, we cleared up, everything's put away and I can't serve you. <laughs> I says it's, it's put away, you know. I'd say everything had to be. There's other people behind her. I'd say everything was very prim and proper. There was it. Everything had to be perfect. Everything had to be perfect, and it was hard work. I was doing fifteen, sixteen hours a day sometimes, and working weekends. But I enjoyed every minute of it. Go it's away. just I decided to move back. My parents weren't getting any younger, and it was it was it was it was very interesting. I'd say I it was because you never knew who you were going to meet at work at any particular day. No, it was, and, I, and working in the kitchen then it was full on, you know, with the dining rooms and the members' dining room and everything. It was full on, but I have to say I enjoyed it. Hard work, but it was nice. You met a lot of people, and and the surroundings you were in very grand, obviously. It was grand, but what I did enjoy now, we used to go to Source Club afterwards and the MPs, you'd be mixing with them. But the most interesting thing out of my whole work experience there was I, 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 got, I got on great and I got good references, but was going up to Big Ben, the 400 and something, two steps, walk up, and it's balanced in by the old coins, you know, the old twopenny bits and everything. That was interesting. I have to say I found that very Now, just forgive me for not knowing this. Can any member of the public do that um, journey up to the top of Big Ben? Well, it was, and it was private at the time. We, we were lucky that we would have sta- I could sign two people in and we could even go to the member's dining room and get the tour done. I think they've changed all that now because you can actually go into Westminster Hall and places like that. Yeah. At the time, you could not do that. And you what do you mean do about coins? There's Big Ben is a you big, You know, like big the old Tuvany bit coins, yeah. the English coins that yeah. they used to help balance the actual, the, the Big Ben itself. You know, they had weights, but it took, they had one or two coins on it as well to help balance it. Well, I'd be darned. It was right down to that tiny amount of weight. Did it ring when you yes. were up there? Pardon? Did it ring, Big Ben? It did. It rang up there. I had uh, friends of mine come up. Um, yeah, and there was no lift. It was. It, it, it did ring, and it was very, very interesting. I can, and I'd say it was very, very loud. Oh, it was very loud. Was it beautiful? Beautiful. Now I have to say yeah, everything about it, Westminster Hall, everything. Uh, I have to say, and it was. I just. I, I enjoyed it. I bet you. I bet you, Big Ben wasn't there. as beautiful. I bet you, Big Ben's bells weren't as beautiful as these bells. Aren't they the most beautiful sounding bells in the world? PJ, I don't know, it doesn't ring a bell. It's Neil. It doesn't ring a bell. (laughs) Great story, Mary. Thanks so much for sharing. How do you feel about the passing of Queen Elizabeth II? Listen, my mother loved her um, because she also lived in London and Richmond for a few years and she had great time for her. I just think she was an icon and she did a great job and I think her grandson, William, is falling in her footsteps like his mother I, I just think it's sad I'd love to go over I probably would would, would have got to get a chance to go over because we don't have to queue up I could I have friends still in there that would sign me in I think it's very sad and she had a tough few years in the end I mm. just think she was thought she was lovely 
Yeah, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Would we, you go? Yeah. Will you go? Do you think? Are you thinking about that? You have a few days I, to make I, up your mind. Well, I got in touch with a friend. I mean, I'd like to go over. I have friends over there that would would do it. it. It depends because you know now they're going to jump in the bandwagon with the flights and everything else. But I mean, I do plan to go over anyway because I'd like to go in and see some of the staff that I used to work with. Ah, yeah. Don't be strangers to your pals from back in your working days. No, Lovely no. story, Mary. It's amazing where Irish people and Cork people work and live and the stories they have to tell. Thanks for sharing yours. Okay. All the best. Take care, Mary Casey, and the times she spent in the Houses of Parliament. Can I just go back, if you don't mind, to uh, the licence fee and what happens when the TV inspector calls? Margaret, good morning. Hi, yeah. It's almost a film in that, the TV inspector calls, like a murder mystery. So next next week will be 50 years to the day that you were in court. No, 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 next month. Right, go ahead. Tell me the story anyhow. Just move around a bit there, Margaret. It's not the great phone line. Okay? Yeah, it's better. Go ahead. Yeah. 50 years ago, I was in court for having no TV license, right? Yeah. And I had to climb up these stairs because I'd gone into a conference. But the judge says to me, why haven't you got a license? And I said, I just had a baby, which was true. And I, he said, will you get one going home? I said, I will. So, right, he said, and as I went to come down from the witness box, he says, don't forget every time you're watching Kojak, you're breaking the law. (laughs) But me with me big mouth, I says, who loves you, baby? For those that all remember, and many people will remember, Kojak was the bald TV detective that always had the lollipop, right? And his signature line was, who loves you, baby? Who loves you, baby? <laughs> what did the judge say to that? When he had to laugh, he tried not to. Every so time you're watching to... Kojak, you're breaking the law. I'm breaking the law. Who loves you, baby? What did but you do? So what did you do? Did you get a license? I did, so I had to be in court to get a license. And of course, once you get one license, you have to keep renewing it every year. Once you're in the when you're when you're in the club, you're in the club for life. What I didn't say was I had had my television for eleven years, and that was my first license. It was what? It was my first license. So you got away with ten years of it. They didn't ask yeah. you for the back money. No, no. Years ago, you know, they used to have these vans going around, these TV oh, license yeah, inspector vans, with these kind of robotic moving dishes on the on the roof. Like a dish, they yeah. didn't work, you know. <laughs> they, they were just a stunt. They didn't do anything, I'm told. They, they were supposed to be able to pick up a house that had or hadn't a license. So how in the name of God would the van with an old dish on top of it know whether you have the license or not? Exactly. Which is to frighten people. <laughs> Listen before you go. <laughs> the, the queen, right? Yeah. No, oh, she's grand, and I'd be uh, like anyone else that would do. I got help. I should be sorry. But would they just put back on me soaps on the, the television? No, there's no soaps. There's no sports. There's no comedy. There's no nothing. And you know, I said you know, I said we're supposed to be playing, but they're playing this week anyway. <laughs> <laughs> <Go on. laughs> 
<laughs> Go on. Who loves you, baby? Bye. Oh, well, I love you anyway. Love. <laughs> so long. Bye. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. And for those of you that either do or don't remember the TV crime series Kojak, he had the lollipops and he constantly in every episode at least once would say... Hey, fish. Who loves you, baby? You're beautiful. Who loves you, baby? You're beautiful. Who loves you, baby? Oh, hey, Neil. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> You're too young to remember, I suppose, do you? I, I, I know the line, but I can't say I ever watch Kojak. Uh, well, there's time yet. They're all on there, online somewhere else. You've been bit spending way too much time watching Garth Brooks and posting all sorts of crazy videos in your Stetson hat. Saturday night's gig? Saturday night's gig, yeah. I filed into Crow Park with the The one and only Kira Revens is a Garth Brooks fan. Yeah. I guess you would be, because you're from the rural area, aren't you? Down around... Uh, <laughs> Glanmire. Oh, we're so rural in Glanmire. Yeah, I mean, we even have a bus now, Neil. Oh, what was it like? <laughs> it was phenomenal. Like, as somebody who kind of idolised Gareth Brooks growing up, like, I mean, how unusual was it that a 10 or 11 year old be baiting to Gareth Brooks? Yeah, but you're probably hearing it from the mams and the dads, you see. Oh, absolutely. I saved up all of my pocket money to go buy Gareth Brooks tapes and uh, filing into golden discs to go and get them. Were you one of the ones that was disappointed back along then when the gigs were cancelled? Devastated. I had tickets for 20 14 to go see him in Crow Park. Why was everybody crying? I've been hearing all morning, we were in floods of tears. I actually did cry when he came on the stage. Why? Because for me, he's like an idol. Like I, I mean, there's lots of groups I liked growing up. Westlife, you know, Five, got to see all of them, but I never got to see I don't Garrett understand Oaks. a 10 or a 12 year old teeny bopper crying at a, a pop band. Yeah. But not grown adults crying but it was emotional like it was my first time getting to see him he burst onto the stage I feel like for me like there was like a nine year build up to this concert <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> that's a lot of anticipation like well, we got audio as we well do, we do there. talk uh, me through the audio okay so the first bit I have for you is uh, when he came on stage and he really just set it up he promised an absolutely great show and like so he'd been on stage on Friday right but he only got there on Thursday so I really think we got like the <laughs> best of him on Saturday you see why. I think they, they, last night they got rained out. Did they? they? Did. It didn't dampen the, the spirits. So this is him just at the beginning. This is at the beginning. Right, have a to this. Last night I slept like a baby. Oh, oh no! You don't understand. That's not a good thing for you people because we're gonna raise hell Cowboy, there's a snake in my boot. <laughs> that was me absolutely gone. And you know on breakfast here we kind of had a little bit of a campaign to get Gart Cork and he still could come because he said it was up to Trisha, his wife Trisha Yearwood to plan the itinerary of uh, their week in between the gates. He's in Kerry. No, he said he didn't know if he was going to Kerry. Well, if he doesn't know, uh, I think I do know where he is. Oh, is he staying in your house? No. <laughs> No, he's not. Can I go down? He's welcome to as long as he cleans up and leaves 60 euro for the cleaner. Ideal. <laughs> okay, ideal. clip two. This is uh, Friends in Low Places, which I might have tried to influence while he was singing. All right, so we're going to hear you as well. This is a real treat. Big sound. 
sound. Huge big sound. Big band, big speakers. Unbelievable. Big light display. It was just everything. Like the whole stage, the amount of lights on the stage. Now he's 25 minutes late coming on on Saturday night, but they were trying to fix, I think, one or two of the lights. Um, but Fuse blue. He must have been, yeah. Like, could somebody change a light bulb? No, <laughs> sorry. It's much Doesn't brilliant. he have to be off stage at some particular time for the residents of he does. Croke Park? Is it 10 or half 10 or something? He, well, like people need to be filed out of the building by half past 10. So the gig was over by 10 past 10 on Saturday night. I think people had expected it to go on until the 10.30. I certainly did. Uh, but as soon as he played one song in the encore, uh, the signs came up on, on the screens going, this is the exit, out you go. And there was no doubt about it that the, the concert was over. So. People disappointed or just elated to be leaving after a wonderful night, I suppose. I think... But wishing it would go on. Yeah, because I mean, normally you would expect more than one song. Um, but it was really emotional. And like he was like, I'm going to break all the rules here. I'm going to play ballads back to back. And I like, this was amazing when he did Tomorrow Never Comes. actually like people out singing them oh he was definitely out sung in Crow Park and he was like oh he was wow like he'd start to song and the crowd would just take over do you know the way they stop then and they let the crowd just sing and they just play the instruments and let them off that must be a great sensation because when I was talking to Garth as you know oh your friend as you do Mm -hmm. I have friends in Mm -hmm. loads of places he was telling me what, what really amazes him he said is that he'll do a hit and in his head he's saying to himself they don't know. There's another one coming, and there's another one coming after that. And when they think I've done, there's even more hits coming. It's just a night of hits. It really was. Like I mean, oh, every one you're like, ah, I can't even cope. Did with he? This. Did he? My son was there with his mother. Luke and Paula were there, like two teenagers themselves with their stetson hats. But Luke said at one stage he 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 mouthed the words, "I love my life." <laughs> he did. Did he do that? And he was, he was mad about doing these little heart symbols with his hands. He was just like... But you this. would love your life if you were making millions of dollars. Exactly. He's like, I can retire off of this. And uh, I think like this last bit I have for you just really sums up his feelings about Ireland and the crowd and Crow Park and how elated he was to be there. Through the show. That was amazing, you know, This might happen every day for you guys, but it's a once in a lifetime for me right here. This is amazing. Do you, he says that to all the girls, though. <laughs> <laughs> he, said, he said that on Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. He probably did. The only difference is he means it. He does mean it. I think every night he's just been absolutely blown away. Like, I, could we get him doing a residency in Crow Park? <laughs> and he really needs to get down here to us in Cork. You're not going to give up that one. You're no, a dog with a bone. We still have seven days or so to convince Garth that he needs to visit us in the Rebel County. Not to play, just come across the border and visit. Oh yeah, just come in for the chat. Like, yeah, 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 grand. Well, you want to get him on the show or into the English market? A bit of both. Here, look, we'll take him around. We're very generous like that. Get on to Aiken. We'll give Peter a buzz, yeah. yeah get on to Aiken. Crack the whip. You did good work this morning. Thank you for it. You're more than welcome. (laughs) Yeehaw! Cowboy. (laughs) All right, the one and only Kira Evans at uh, her idols gig at the weekend. The one and only Garth Brooks. Still two gigs to go if you're 
ready to go next weekend that should give you a sense of what to expect um, because apparently everyone and anyone including my own tribe were blown away by it 100% text 0868104106 on other business I just mentioned just coming back to some issues regarding uh, landlords and we were chatting with Colm Tierney this morning who got his uh, deposit back eventually after going to the RTB. This was involving a rental with the ex-Lord Mayor Colin Callagher, who wasn't available to come on the air this morning, but he did clarify some points and I read out his statement, uh, and that's fair enough. Mind you, not everybody's happy with that. Uh, one or two uh, texters came in after that with regards to it and said, Neil, um, can I ask you why you parked the conversation regarding landlords, and particularly the case of Colin Callagher? You have no worries speaking about TDs having extra properties, but if it's a former Lord Mayor and maybe a friend of yours, you close shop on it. That's an extraordinary text to say. Like, if that were true, which it is not, why would I have aired the story at all in the first place? If that were true, which it is not, why would I have interviewed the gentleman, Colm Tierney, regarding it? Not once, but twice this morning and also back in February when I wasn't able to name who it was because it hadn't been through the... RTB process at the time. So, you're, you know, I'll, I'll take the criticism where it's warranted. In fact, I'll just take the criticism. But I don't think you're right in that regard. I really and truly don't. Morning, my landlord never returned my deposit of €950 when one of his apartments was repossessed. And more, with regards to your caller who can't prove he said that about the 30 properties, it's silly. If that's the case, nobody can come on and tell a story, whether it be about an experience in the hospital or with neighbours or anything. If you say that to them, you can't prove it. Uh, Just thinking now, is it your bias towards uh, Colin Kelleher and your friends that is coming through? No, no, it's actually more to do with law, um, defamation, libel in Ireland. Um, I would be obliged to say that to anybody on the street if they told me a story because I take everything that I hear with a grain of salt. But certainly on air, if somebody says something like that and they don't have any evidence to prove it, I will challenge them on that. Because if I don't challenge them, it leaves everybody wide open to all sorts of legal issues of not being fair and balanced. So no, you're wrong in that regard as well. But don't let that stop you criticising. Uh, one or two more. Shocked to hear the story regarding the ex-Lord Mayor. It's about time we adopted the Scottish Deposit Scheme where a third party holds the deposit for tenants and landlords so as to avoid landlords playing games. Also, it obviously works in cases where the tenants have actually created issues in the property. It works for both sides. Rental and housing in this country is getting out of hand at work at the moment, so can't come on the air. But thank you for the text, because you're right. It's not the first one I heard about how they do it across the water. I'm saddened by Colm Kelleher's behaviour to those tenants. I've been a landlord for a long time, and I've never, ever kept a deposit. I just sort the house out when they leave. A lot of wear and tear and things to replace, like furniture. It's normal. You can't expect tenants to pay for that. In the UK, the landlord has to put the deposit into a government body. It's the law. And the landlord is fined a lot if they don't do this. You get 30 days to do it. This was brought in the UK as landlords were not giving back the deposits. I always, always give the deposit back as they need it for their next move. Landlords should be good to their tenants as they are the ones that are paying the rent or in some cases the mortgage for the landlord. Um, And there's more than that actually which I'll come back to. Uh, in the morning, but I won't have much time left at this stage. But do t- keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. Lenny, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? I'm good. I was on the Mallow Road and I drove it on Friday and I drove it back yesterday afternoon and driving home yesterday afternoon. You know where the barriers are, the wire barriers? Yeah. 
this lunatic, absolute lunatic overtook on a single lane with the wire barrier on his right-hand side and he nearly flipped his car and took three or four other cars out with him. Saw it with my own eyes. crazy. It's crazy, the driving. Crazy. But I just, I text in there and there's a bad, bad smash just after happening on the, by the Granada turn-off again. It's a really bad one. There's people stuck in the car. There's people lying on the side of the road. There's about 10 emergency services. You are joking me. They're lying on the road injured. There's someone lying on the road. There's someone. There's, two, there's a couple stuck in a car. I think it's bad. It looks bad to be honest. So, but the problem is the speed. The yeah. problem is the speed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I use that junction every day, and I see if you're a car that are turning right from that junction to head to Cork, if there's a car coming towards them to turn left there, they're in the they're in the inside lane, and they, you you cannot see the car that's outside them that would be going straight onto Limerick. You yeah. cannot see them. Yeah. And by the time you pull out, that, you're too late. And I, I see it all. So the you're, they're crashing into the back of each other, is that what you're saying? No, they're not. So, 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 no, I don't know what happened there, but I'm guessing someone was turning out from that junction to head to Cork. And they got hit by someone heading to Limerick. Oh, there, there would have been a car turning left at the junction in the filter lane, and you can't see... The but, car on the outside of that, you know what I mean? But I ex- know exactly what you mean, and it's too late, and you're going to hit them full on. Full on, and that, I've seen it. There was a girl killed there a few years ago. Same thing. And I, it's nearly happened myself. I've pulled out there, and I can't see a car coming. And they're flying it. There was an article in the Irish and Times recently said 62 people have lost their lives in the Cork Limerick Road. Now, I know it's over the past 25 years, but it's that yeah. stretch of road which has a... They call them accident black spots, but how much of it is down to speeding and overtaking and bad driving? Yeah. I was on to you. Remember those American tourists who were killed at the Waterloo Junction I do, years ago? I do. Just I was on to you. And I was flagging the Granada turn-off to do the same thing because how many accidents have happened at the Waterloo Junction since they've started out? I believe none. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's, it's crazy. It frightens the life out of me, that one, you know. It really does, yeah. that, that stretch of road. And it's like, I know you've got that wire barrier on your right, and it's very kind of disconcerting to be driving alongside it. But when yeah, you see the driving of some people, it just... Actually, the, the Transport Infrastructure Ireland published the results of analysis on the N20, and it said the yeah. road traffic collisions on the road were four, to- four times more likely to be fatal than an average road in the country. And that would have to do with the speed at point of impact, yeah. wouldn't it? Can you imagine that? Yeah, oh, it absolutely is, because that looks like a head-on... Uh, someone, uh, whoever was heading to them right there, right. if that would happen, was flying it like... Well, would have been doing 100 kilometres an hour, but if you hit a car... At 100 kilometres an hour, you're going to do fierce damage. Absolutely. Now, when you passed, there were no emergency services at no, that stage? No, no, it was just that. There was still there was not, none, but they, I've just passed them all. There's about 10 emergency services vehicles have passed me heading out there now. All right. But it's okay. a really, it looks really bad when, and I hope to God they're, they're okay. But and so do I. There's something has to be done about the junction. It is absolutely crazy. Thanks, Lenny. Appreciate the call, my friend. Right, Take care. Big crash in sure. Granada this morning. It's just a very, very, very dangerous stretch of road. 
especially what I witnessed yesterday afternoon. You can see how accidents are caused. Saw it myself, my own eyes, total and utter idiot in a car. Before I love you and leave you for the day that's in it, can I just remind you that uh, right across this week, we are working with Autism Assistance Dogs Ireland. They urgently need your help to support their amazing dogs through their final months of training. And they deliver support to autistic children and their families who desperately need these dogs to help open up their world because these dogs are highly trained and really can make a huge difference. It opens up a world of possibilities for a child on the autism spectrum. Uh, and you can support Autism, Autism Assistance Dogs Ireland Urgent Appeal. And you can get more details on that if you'd like to donate on their website, autismassistancedogsireland.ie. But we have some lovely prizes to give away across the week, courtesy of Autism Assistance Dogs. Like we have overnight for dinner for two at Rochestown Park Hotel. Includes full gym access, and that's sponsored by the Rochestown Park Hotel. We have a family photo shoot with your doggy Bow Wow. Sponsored by Finbar Murray Photography. We have a doggy gift hamper. Sponsored by Covertress. We have three months worth of dog food from Royal Canine. And we have an overnight dinner for two in the Maldron and the South Mall. All that to do uh, between Tuesday and Thursday of this week. And we're looking for uh, your favourite dog stories. I think also we might during the week look at dog videos. You know, I know that's an online thing. But the smarter the dog or the better tricks of the dog or the cleverer of the dog... Um, the more chance you have of winning one of our prizes. So we'll pick up on that and lots more besides on tomorrow's programme. I'm out of time for now. Lines will stay open. You can text 0868104106. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.